Welcome to another meeting of the Corona Committee. It's the 88th meeting, Breathing Down the Necks is the title. That's what you say when you're hard on your opponent's heel. I think we're uh, getting ever closer. The pathology conference uh, achieved a major breakthrough in showing that the uh, um, vaccination spike proteins can be found in the bodies of um, um, deceased people. And we'll look at this um, in more detail. I'm coming back from a um, round trip uh, visiting a number of different um, presumptive uh, vaccination victims, um, people who suffered complications um, right after the vaccination. It's always the same story. It starts with um, aches in the muscles, headaches, a, um, uh, dizziness, um, weakness, and then it uh, moves on into more severe problems that people have uh, from collapsing uh, with uh, shortness of bread, uh, breath, uh, then herpes zoster, which um, is like a, a, a piece of armor on your chest. Uh, it, what really shocked me was that people don't come out with their stories, uh, not even vis-a-vis -vis friends or family. If they post anything uh, in, on the uh, internet, they are Im immediately uh, attacked by bots, um, claiming that they have hallucinations, that they were drunk, etc. And even among friends and family, it seems to be like uh, a taboo that you're the um, person rejecting a vaccination, that your body doesn't uh, play along. But that's that's exactly the people who play along. They did accept the vaccination because they wanted to go along, um, because they had uh, pressure from friends and family. They did what was uh, expected of them. Now they have problems and they can't come out with it. It's almost like a uh, rape victim who doesn't dare to come out uh, in the open because um, they are uh, then accused of having um, enticed um, the perp. So it's um, this stigmatization this is completely um, unacceptable. Um, normally, when I have a complication after taking medication, if I um, take aspirin, for instance, I can't um, um, stomach it, then it's the most normal thing in the world to talk about it. And it's strange that it's different in this case, but it also stops people from getting uh, help. They don't uh, get support from uh, doctors that are being sent away. Uh, they claim that it's only uh, psychosomatic, and we have to break through this vicious circle. Because only when uh, people can come out um, with their problems, then we can look at what can help them. So it's very important if you have any problems, uh, come out in the open um, or encourage other people who have suffered problems, uh, do that. Uh, there'll be more from us. Rainer, you have the floor. Well, in addition to that, the situation that you've been illustrating here reminds me of the Stockholm Syndrome. Meredith Miller has talked to us about this, that if you are uh, misused, abused for a certain period, you um, build up a certain closeness to the actor. and. We see this here now. In a week's time, about we're going to start with our international criminal tie uh, trial. Meredith Miller will be with us in that, and one of the important modules of what we are watching is the um, psychoterror 
which we'll hear of today as well. But this is not only covert, uh, it's not only hidden threats, it is overt as well, and even more as open as to people who were on the line in the part uh, in the past uh, are starting to doubt we have one example here which is a protocol from a hospital in bavaria which was sent to us anonymously <clears throat> but we found out what this is about and this is from a forensic hospital in passberg and um, that is Gustl Mollert. Uh, that is people who um, are there because of psychological problems, uh, drug abuse, and so on. And on this protocol, at the top, you see. Uh, quite a, well, something that is could be acceptable. Non-vaccinated people are not allowed to participate in cross-ward therapies. Okay, but where we have the marking, it gets really tough. From the 1st of December 21, all non-vaccinated people are made public. And then consequences in accidental application of force are not to be feared. So that is one step away from the T4 program. Violence is invited here. And if they um, publish the names of the people who are not vaccinated, we want to vac uh, publish who is the author of this. This is Dr. Christian Plögel. And uh, so any attorney of law who is listening to this, it's uh, Dr. Schlögel. And uh, of this open um, force against patients, that is a number of criminal uh, acts which are done here. So any attorney of law listening to this should seriously consider starting a criminal proceeding against this. Um, there is going to be a problem, not only, but also because of the International Tribunal, which we're going to start next week, and that will make this kind of information public to the world public. So, Dr. Christian Schlügel from this forensic hospital in Passberg, Bavaria. And uh, one maybe good news is something else, which concerns the um, note not passed on the mainstream media. Somebody informed us I'd like to point out a um, important event on the 12th of uh, January in Luxembourg. After two petitions, there was a um, hearing in the chamber, which is the which is the 
parliament and the consultants were very known uh, Luc Montagnier, Dr. Christian Perron, Alexandra Erion Kud, which we've heard here, Karima Ruzzi, Dr. Benno Ox, and Dr. Romain Bloom. And the experts have spoken great, but were treated like little children by the politicians. And in the press, only defamatory articles were published the day after. Now it is all covered up that this event has taken place at all, just like the demonstrations, just like the walks, just like uh, it is not uh, broadcast that Boris Johnson in England wants to stop all this. And unfortunately, he doesn't know of anything. The policy has already, politics have already announced that uh, the laws are going to be changed so that these wafflers, um, but others, other wafflers will get their voice and uh, Thus, that one may not bring any experts into such hearings. All this has to get out into the world, and the, perhaps the statements of the above-mentioned experts in these hearings have potential to provide evidence. So this is made published now, and we hope that it will be made um, brought to the knowledge of a broad public. It's important, just like as the attacks against us or the party debases, or these attacks here show that we are um, breathing down their neck, as is the motto of our show today. They are in fear, and they should be in more fear. Well, shall we kick it off? Today, we have a, a list of very interesting guests. We're going to start with Professor Arne Burkhardt, who is a pathologist who we've heard here. He had a long time, is a long time lecturer at the University of Hamburg, Bern, and Tübingen. He's the former head of the Institute of Pathology in Reutlingen, which he was 18 years. And today, he's going to report on the detection of organ damage due to mRNA injections by the detection of the spike protein in tissue samples. So, this is now really it. This this is causality of the vaccines to what were the myocarditis cases. Hello, Professor Burkhardt. Yes. Well, yes, uh, welcome as well, and thank you for inviting me. Well, the pathology conference, you are one of the heads of the pathology conference. Uh, and many other people have been working on this behind the scenes, so to say. And that is really a very important institution by now that was able, and you have very impressively illustrated the tissue constellations in the two conferences where we could clearly see the changes uh, which probably led to the death of the respective person. And first, you um, found problematic heart changes, which is myocarditis um, with the lycosite storms that you have identified. Maybe you could detail a little bit on that, of what the findings were in the um, terms of the results of the conference. Well, yes, I'll be happy to summarize this. But I would like to um, fall back on uh, images here. I prepared a little bit of a presentation, and I would like to share my screen with you, if you don't mind. Let's see.
Some uh, information to start off with about our project in Reutlingen. We use autopsies and histology as well, i.e. Um, tissue samples from uh, living people. Um, we try to use those to define the morphological modifications um, occurring after the vaccination and their impact on deaths or other uh, complications. I started about six months ago on my own with this. Um, the competent professional organizations, when I suggested um, initiating a study, uh, did not respond. And after uh, several survivors and doctors, um, encouraged me to um, verify whether there is any evidence. I said I'll be happy to take a look at some of the organ samples. And uh, by now there are eight cooperating pathologists, biologists and uh, doctors um, from in and out of Germany. We have a total of uh, 25 deaths, uh, three samples from uh, people still alive, uh, 15 cases were um, analyzed um, on uh, level one, i.e. routine histology, and one case has already moved on to stage two, i.e. special methodologies, immunology in other words. Among those uh, 15 cases, there are uh, seven uh, men, eight women, 28 to 95 years old, uh, death occurring between seven days and six months after the last injection, and the vaccines used are the usual ones used in Germany. And as far as I can say, they're all covered. Um, what's crucial in this study is that the majority of these uh, people did not die in the hospital, but died at home, on the street or in the car. That's important because as soon as somebody dies in a hospital, it means that they are being treated, i.e., um, for instance, aspiration uh, modifies the lung in a way that I cannot determine which are the uh, modifications that happened, the changes that happened prior to the therapy. So with these people, we can preclude any uh, therapeutic interventions or other interventions um, altering the um, clinical picture. So we uh, looked into these cases and with the 15 cases what happened was that we were always able to find modifications in organs. In one case where we said um, we can't see any connection here, these changes were very minimal, but in five of ten cases there was a very likely uh, correlation. Uh, in seven cases it was uh, likely and in two cases it was possible. So that means that these um, changes um, had an impact on um, the death process, which is normally multi-causal. 
To what extent this had an influence will have to be determined in individual expert uh, opinions. These are the main findings that we uh, came across and that happened with all patients, with all those deceased, to a uh, uh, higher or lesser extent. And initially we had uh, focused on myocarditis, but now the uh, vessel damage that we can find in different organs um, probably play a main role. These are the small uh, vessels, the endothelium, um, i.e. the lining of um, the organs of the heart or lung, but uh, also texture um, damage or inflammation of the uh, main artery and um, the uh, smaller arteries. And then um, recently we found focal defects of the um, uh, follicle arteries with uh, follicle prolapse of the spleen. And this uh, finding indicates that the spleen probably plays a very crucial role in uh, the reaction, in the response to this vaccination. Then the next one, myocarditis, which has been well documented internationally now, a uh, lymphocytes um, uh, inflammation in the lung, um, alveolitis, then the lymphocyte uh, um, AMOC, i.e. Um, uh, lymphocytosis outside of lymphatic organs, and this uh, uh, may be an association with autoimmune reactions. And then a finding that has not been documented before, micro and macro uh, embolisms and uh, foreign bodies that may come from the vaccination. Let me show you some findings. Here you can see the changes in the small vessels. First of all, on the left side, the normal finding, we can see these spindle uh, nuclei, and uh, this is the uh, cytoplasm attached to the wall, and then individual red and white um, blood vessels, uh, blood, um, blood cells. And here we were able to find uh, this. Um, the endothelium has been detached. The nuclei are uh, swollen and they are mixed with red blood cells. We can uh, often find that as an autolysis, i.e. a post-mortem um, decay. We can see the uh, spindle cells again and erythrocytes and lymphocytes mixed in, so immune competent cells that have led to an immune and an, an, um, infection and an inflammation. And so this uh, obviously occurred after the vaccination. We can't only find it in the heart, where I just showed it, but also in the lung, where we have this lymphocyte infiltrates around the uh, 
vessels that are inflamed and what's particularly uh, lethal is if brain uh, vessels are affected by this you can see a brain vessel here in lymphocytes that um, um, loosen this uh, this 26 year old um, patient died without an embolism so um, there must be some obstruction somewhere else. Those are the small vessels. Now let's move on to the large vessels. And in terms of long-term damage, this is even more disconcerting because we find texture disruption. Um, this is an image of the normal aorta and arterial vessels have regular elastic lamellae. Um, these are muscle fibers. Uh, this is a very homogeneous um, picture normally. And with the um, post-mortem cases, we have these texture damage with the destruction of elastic lamellae and lymphocyte infiltration. That, of course, is a um, severe risk factor for a potential rupture of the aorta. And the lymphocyte uh, invasion um, speaks for uh, the case that this is a vital um, process. And um, we uh, suppose that oftentimes um, in uh, a post-mortem, you oftentimes find um, damage to uh, organs. It might have been a patient who had some damage to vessels, but we kept finding it with uh, patients in uh, the cases where the aorta or the vessels were affected. You can see a different uh, case here. We saw it in a total of five cases. Of these 15 cases we um, examined, and you can see these uh, lymphocyte infiltrates again. It's a uh, process that happens during uh, people's lifetime. And we also saw a destruction of the follicular arteries in the spleen with the prolapse. And I looked at the spleens of uh, all the uh, cases again. We saw it in four cases by now, and none of the uh, pathologies, uh, pathologists involved or any uh, of other uh, pathologists who took a look at this ever saw this before. It looks like a reactive component um, in the reaction to uh, the vaccination, to the vaccine. We can see a normal uh, spleen follicle, um, you can see the normal artery and uh, uh, lymphatic follicles where the immune reaction happens and here we can see a small artery here and you can see a, a defect and uh, here the lymphatic uh, tissue is moving into the vessel already and here you can see the vessel again and the defect here and this uh, mushroom shaped infiltration of the um, lymphatic tissue um, moving into the vessel, being pre uh, pushed into the vessel. 
I've seen this in several cases by now. And how often do we have we found this vasculitis? The endovasculitis, uh, i.e., uh, something that some pathologists are, uh, call endothelitis in 11 cases, and very frequently with um, uh, focal lymphatic infiltration, then vasculitis, perivasculitis of larger vessels in 10 cases, and this really disconcerting uh, necrosis of the central and deep um, vessel layers in six cases and in two cases with thrombosis and in another case we just observed with a lethal uh, rupture of the aorta. Now, when can we see such um, lesions of the vessels? Well, we can see it when uh, there are toxins acting on the vessel walls. Uh, for instance, with uh, cytostatic drugs, um, leomycin, and uh, with the so-called latherism, which is a toxin uh, found in chickpeas, and aorta ruptures can um, result from these um, uh, from this as well. And knowing these lesions, we um, concluded that this might uh, be the uh, spike protein, which we know to be highly toxic by now, might be uh, a causal factor. And so we performed an immune histological analysis and we um, tested the antibodies that we use in cell cultures that are in, um, injected. Um, which were uh, transferred with the vaccine, and we could find a high specificity of the antibody. And in immunohistology now, in the small vessels, we can see these this positive reaction. So this brownish golden um, area is a positive proof of spiked proteins. And this is uh, this is not only in the capillar, but also in the arteriola uh, positive reaction that we see here with a little interruption here in the layers of the vessel and in the sign you see the shaved off endotiled endothiles. Another case here again positive reaction with a clear background so there is no background uh, reaction here so clearly this is a positive finding again here the shaved of um, endothelials which are inside the volume so this is the finding that we have found now with special methods and that shows to us that um, uh, even 122 days after vaccinating we find this toxin in the cells and, and in the vessels, and that makes it clear that this is the cause for these damages. What is not clear as yet is whether it is just uh, residue collected there or whether this is actually <clears throat> produced there by the messenger RNA. Uh, looking at the heart for a minute, um, that is internationally renowned now as a myocarditis, as an adverse effects. You see the muscular fibers of the heart here and no lymphocyte 
to be seen. Um, of course, some have to move through at times, but that is uh, not normal. And here we see a case with myocarditis. The muscle f um, fibers decay here, and we see an infiltrate, inflammatory infiltrate, um, opposed to the heart attack where we find granulocytes. How often have we found the lymphocytic uh, myocarditis, ericarditis, pericarditis? Um, uh, two cases maximum with necrosis marked in three and minimum in nine cases. And in the first two categories, I would assume that uh, this finding is has played a crucial role in the dying of the person. Probably not the only one, surely not the only one. Uh, <coughs> <laughs> existing scars and so of course play a role again looking at the changes of the lung this is the normal um, uh, picture everything is white is the avioli here and uh, you see these uh, slight changes here with uh, some lymphocytic inflammatory sames cells the uh, lung is always subject to a subliminary inflammation, so that's quite normal. And here we do see the change in the dead cases. Here on the overview, you see here the uh, ventilated spaces, which are less clear here. Um, the lithium ears and the walls between the two are thicker, and we see these nodes of um, infiltrate here, 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 around the different vessels and over here. So uh, it's difficult to count even. The more closely we look, the more frequently we find these. And again here, how often did we find this? With follicle formation, the maximum case is a clear reaction here in three cases, maximum in four, marked in one, and minimal in five cases. And then the so-called lymphocyte amok, as we call it, that is a lymphocyte accumulation and uh, node development that we have seen in the lung outside the actual lymphatic organs, and that affects the lung and other organs as the kidneys, as the fat tissue, muscles, and so on. And here we see parallels to similar lymphocytic cases, that is Marcus Wegena, which is an immunologic uh, disease, um, the um, uh, tropical splenomegaly, and here we see polychromatic lymphocyte as well. In the lung, we have such a finding here, an infiltration with lymph follicle formation. So this is an active immunologic uh, defense reaction that we can diagnose here. We have found similar inf inflammatory infiltrates in the skin, and this is very concerning in the dura, the uh, skin, the brain skin, so to say, and um, this, of course, can have 
substantial consequences, and in this case it did have so. How often did we find these outside the heart muscle and the lung? As we've said, um, that's where there's quite hope, uh, quite uh, frequent. Thyroid lungs, subarachnoid lungs, two cases, uh, seven cases in the aorta. That is the inflammation that I've seen and shown in the image in the skin. In two cases in the liver, in the kidney, three cases, and. Uh, lymphocytic polyponitis auriculitis in one case and this fatal infiltration of the dura in one case. So again, another finding of the embolization or the accumulation of foreign matter in the different vessels um, leading to possible emboli uh, blood clots. Here it is um, notable that no aspiration is deemed necessary before intramuscular inter inter injection based on a WHO recommendation from 2016. Um, it was without any further scrutinization forwarded by the RKA. I RKA in Germany because uh, it's not necessary because the vessels in the um, muscle muscle cells is uh, are too small and the needle won't hit them. That may be applicable for children, but surely it's not for adults. Um, we have this here. This is the main injection area, and you see here that many of these vessels are more than a millimeter in diameter, and the outer diameter is 0.6 or 0.4 uh, millimeters, so a needle can fit into these. I've put a syringe um, um, needle here uh, on this, and you see this needle would easily slip into this vessel here. And so, uh, of, how often does this intravasal um, injection occur? Uh, experienced medis, medics tell us that the field experience is about 5% um, of the cases the needle hits um, a vessel. And that is something that we have to assume here as being the case in the corona vaccinations as well. And so we have to see that intravasal injection here can be a possible cause of microembolisms and embolisms. And we have actually found such unidentified foreign material in five cases. This is an arteria in the spleen with this strange material. First, we thought it was fat cells, but they have an internal structure, um, this uh, fan type structure. We thought it could be contrast um, um, uh, substance, but this patient died at home without any medical injection. And uh, so our assumption now is this is lipid nanoparticles which are warmed in the body and 
um, coalate in the body um, due to the warm heat and uh, so jump uh, stick together and then clot the vessels another point is this material here which looks a bit different but that could be a change over time if we increase the magnification here now we see these granular structures that uh, caused uh, an inflammatory reaction here this material um, was um, submitted to several pathologists and nobody could tell us what this is so far they all said we have never seen this before now I want to finish off with a case report of a 54 year old man who now was now added to the cases, but he's so classical that I wanted to show this here. He was vaccinated twice, and he died 123 days after the second injection. And as it appears, with a heart of infarct, and um, that looked quite clear, and the patient actually was to be marked a natural death, and only the histological inspection showed that other things caused this here, which is a vasculitis of the coronal artery with thrombus formation, which then actually triggered the heart attack. Um, all of this with a pre-existing arteriosclerosis, but we also found a myocarditis, so a multi-factor um, issue. You see the cut through the corona artery here, and this is the thrombus, and here there are atherosclerotic um, uh, uh, changes. But if you see now, now there's lymphocytic infiltrations around the vessel, it is quite clear that the thrombus here um, was on the basis of the inflammation of the uh, vessel and not due to the astrochlorosis and here you see these uh, changes in the texture texture in the lower layers again with lymphocytic infiltrations and this is a traditional example this case would if it hadn't been examined histologically a pathologist who has a view for these things would have been marked a, a natural death or heart attack and nobody would have ever wondered more about it. So, as the last chart, this one here, of course, um, all the pathologists who looked at these samples, and by this way, they are available for everyone to look at. We all said, well, is it true, is it right what we're seeing here? Are we chasing a phantom? Are we seeing things uh, that are not there? And actually, I had to have a, um, a counterpart, a soundboard to 
confirm. And uh, now uh, this doubt has been taken away when a colleague uh, wrote a letter to me saying that in a section at the moment after a carotid thrombosis, uh, uh, my colleagues found little dissections. That's what I've uh, shown, minimal vasculitis of the vasa vasorum and a lymphocytic periapocytitis. So periapicendicitis is a lymphocytic amok in a place where lymphocytes should not be found at all. So the colleague comes to the conclusion we are not chasing a phantom, and this is why we have to carry on. Thank you. Well, that's quite um, remarkable and disconcerting. I have a question again now. If uh, people... Um, suffer these inflammations, do people die from the thrombosis resulting from the inflammation or is, as you said as well, I think, uh, are there uh, breakthroughs with the aneurysm or um, um, aorta ruptures? So uh, is the wall damaged so there will be um, bleeding? Can that cause death or did I misunderstand this? Well, with this uh, last case, the case is um, a heart uh, infarction um, based on a um, um, inflammation which links it to the um, um, vaccination because a normal inflammation doesn't cause uh, this um, um, in bleeding. You may have some lymphocytes, uh, a few, but not such uh, dense uh, lymphocyte uh, infiltration and destruction of uh, lamella, um, lamellas um, is not normal. And in conjunction with the uh, aorta rupture, those are also lymphocyte infiltration, um, and that is certainly due to the um, changes of the vessels. Uh, for the uh, layman medically, uh, these uh, processes do lead to these uh, blood clots that stop the flow of the blood and people die of a thrombosis or due to the inflammations there can be breakthroughs in the blood vessels. Is that right? Well, Professor Bogart, uh, there's this discussion uh, concerning uh, the cases uh, resulting in intravasal modifications that they might have been caused by corona infections. Have you seen that? Um, might it be possible uh, that coronaviruses that you get infected with um, get into the bloodstream and uh, cause uh, similar symptoms? Well, this foreign matter has uh, not been seen before, and uh, that doesn't have anything to do with a corona infection. So with none of the cases that we've seen, we have any finding that this is so-called uh, vaccination breakthrough, that there's a real corona infection. In the organ issues, there may be overlaps between the real corona infection and the cases after the uh, vaccination with the production of spike proteins. There may be an overlap there, but both have their specific changes that they cause. 
Now, if you cast your mind back to the times before Corona, you have many years of experience as a pathologist. And um, myself, as a, a lung specialist, we have these, uh, we, we used to discuss um, different phenomena and um, this uh, milk glass uh, tur um, turbines. Um, and this is now put down to Corona, but we have now uh, cases where a normal cold leads to um, shortness of breath. And uh, now we have this with um, allergical uh, pneumonitis. Um, and uh, this allergic reaction after a virus infection is something that I uh, have only rarely seen uh, in the past. Now, what we see after the so-called vaccinations, um, this seems to occur much faster, much more often than in the past. Or what's your view? Yes, that's right. If you talk about milk glass opacity, you talk about the X-ray image, not the histology, I think. Well, the question is, is it a vascular process or something inhaled that leads to this um, inflammatory reaction? That's interesting. Does it come from the alveoli? Um, is it inhaled and then leads to inflammation or is it something in the bloodstream? Well, I think there's something in the blood that causes this because the picture corresponds to the so-called exogene allergic alveolitis or pneumonitis, but in this case, of the vaccination, not the infection. We have no external factor. The patients came from different parts of the country, and there's no common antigen between the four, uh, the 25. Uh, that is unthinkable. Well, yeah, I think what's really important here is amnesis. Um, because we have this uh, exogenous uh, allergic pneumatitis, um, which is well known, um, and it's we've seen that it now uh, occurs with viral infections occasionally, and if it's treated with uh, cortisone, we find that people do very well. We had the colleague from South Africa um, who spoke to us, I don't remember the number of cases, but it's plausible that uh, a, a viral infection could be a two-phase infection where the inflammatory uh, reaction in the upper respiratory tract happens quite normally, and then there's an immunological uh, reaction that then has repercussions on the lung. I just want to place it somehow, how often um, this was observed in the past, and whether we have a um, attention bias now. I'm not quite sure about this yet. Quite right. So I think this was the so-called eight-day, eighth-day infection. That was the moment when, from the up to then, normal respiratory disease and allergic reaction happened. I've talked to Professor Kemmerer about this. This is to be the case in 17% of the cases. Not too many, but not a few only. Well, I believe that it must be much less because the cold well, um, the virus infection is 80% of the population. Um, 
it's normally the the whole population that has these inflammatory sometimes it's just a little, little cold people catch a fiber but that this immunologic late reaction the second phase starts on this on the eighth day that uh, can't be can't be more than we have um, in a reaction to an insect uh, sting for example so if you get uh, stung by a bee most people don't notice but a couple, a few, who have an allergic disposition, uh, note it and get sick after a while, oh, and, and a sh have a shock, uh, an allergic shock. Um, so uh, with the bees, the numbers vary between one and three percent. That's my estimate. Uh, my es estimate is that the complication rate after infection, leading to heavy organ damage and uh, short breathless breathlessness in coronavirus infections according to my opinion that should be below one percent i can't imagine this being more so then we would have to conclude again that there is no substantial difference uh, between this and normal flus or um, um, flu-like uh, colds. That's right, that's right. Uh, probably some of the other viruses do the same thing. We know that from influenza, it's been published about that. We have this immunologic reaction and uh, we know that from other viruses as well. So in that respect, I think it is a known fact, but now it's in the focus of the attention and that is why it is probably thought of and observe more often. Professor Burkhardt, if as lawyers uh, we're always interested in not only seeing a correlation but a causality as well, particularly in this case, now what are uh, what again are the um, aspects, the facts? <clears throat> well, my understanding is um, that this gunk, if you wish, uh, that can be found in the lipid particles, can it uh, be introduced by the uh, by the uh, disease, but only by the injection? That makes sense. What else is there to uh, speak in favor of causality of the vaccination of what you found? The spike protein in the heart, which causes myocarditis, as Wolfgang Wodak has explained to us, cannot really get there um, in normal ways because it's a respiratory process, so it should be blocked here unless you inject it. Now, uh, can this uh, conclusion be drawn so clearly? Well, first of all, we have to say that in most of the cases, we are looking at people at high age, over 50 years. It's usually a multi-factor case of death. And in the pathologic and anatomic diagnosis, we decide, uh, we differentiate between a basic disease and a disease causing death. Although um, that is difficult to uh, prove, we, for that reason, have seen it as a necessity not only to look at individual cases, but look at a series of cases in our case 25, to find changes that are regular and uh, that are 
in uh, correlation with the vaccinations. And that's what I've seen in the first extraordinary findings. We found, well, this may be the case. There are some uh, weird cases every now and again if you do postmortems. But as we have been finding this on a regular basis, we see we've come to the case that this and that change has been triggered by the vaccination. And now the question is, what role did it play in causing the death? And we have made uh, different classifications of possible and highly possible or probable. And we think that between probable and very probable, uh, we will carry out the spike protein uh, test and if that's positive I think the proof has been given that there is a connection to the death and if it's negative then one would have to uh, go back to the records and look at the data again when I um, understand the connection ever better particularly with the patients that's a majority of your patients who didn't die in the hospital who didn't have prior treatment, there cannot be, well, there's a possibility of aspirating people and then you damage something. And then this, of course, uh, you can introduce the spike protein into the body uh, and into the vessels. But if you can preclude this, and then somebody dies of myocarditis with all the details you indicated, and then you find spike proteins are there, then I would nearly, as a uh, non-medical person, as a lawyer, I'd uh, um, conclude that what you describe takes us to a um, causality beyond reasonable doubt. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, I would completely agree. We have this mechanism. If we inject it into the muscle, then the uh, probability of its uh, winding up in a vein is much higher than um, it is winding up in an artery. First of all, because the arteries are much smaller and thinner, and also because in this area where well, let me put it differently. If it is injected into muscles, it's drains. Um, it's uh, distributed uh, across the body. Um, and if that happens, it happens uh, through the vein because in the artery, it only would distribute, be distributed locally and would uh, remain locally. But um, particularly with the young, sporty men, we have strong, well um, um, drained uh, muscles, so it's much more likely that such young people have this. Um, um, young people, well trained, it's much more likely than with um, older people. And here we have this temporal correlation uh, where it moves into the epithelium, then to the lung, to the to the heart. But uh, we would have to uh, possibly uh, might find something in the uh, endothelium of the um, right antechamber of the heart. Um, where reactions are caused by the um, spike proteins, because with young men we have this sudden heart death um, 
uh, that occurs after the vaccination, as has been reported for uh, football players and other sportsmen, um, then um, the question is, is the um, uh, nervous, uh, nervous system disturbed here? Um, uh, and that might uh, explain why it's the young men who suddenly collapse um, uh, in the fields and um, in, in, um, and why myocarditis is so much rarer in young women. If we assume that originally the producers and those who uh, did that emergency approval and tried to calm the waves by saying, okay, it stays in the injection site. It's clear by now that this is not the case. 50% of all these substance quickly moves through the body, for the entire body. Otherwise, it's unthinkable how it appears in the spleen, in the liver, in the lung, in the heart, even in the brain. And here, I would think that if we look at the whole narrative and what you have been finding, Professor Borkad, then one could, of course, say that was a mistake. They didn't know. But from what we can see by now, we can state that they were clearly aware of the fact that it's not going to stay at the site of the injection. And if they have known that, they must at least have considered. And that means um, at least uh, taken, uh, accepted the possible consequences that what we saw here would happen. Uh, which is cases of myocarditis, and uh, that will be triggered by the spike protein. Uh, but I'm very thankful to you uh, for the research. It's real research that you're going doing here. That is very, very helpful, especially for the legal um, view of this. Uh, we're not going to get anywhere with pathologists here, uh, because only you can find what is the, the stuff that's in the injection substance really uh, found in the places where it can cause a death. And that gives us a very, very substantial um, approach to that. May I add to this? Can you hear me? <coughs> well, I have a statement by uh, RKI of 93rd of March 2021, and I uh, realized how little they know about the basis and the um, method of um, action of this uh, vaccine. They write here the mRNA. Um, vaccines so far um, approved are administered intramuscular and uh, cause a local immune reaction. I don't know what that is supposed to mean. The muscles are not uh, capable of having a uh, an immune reaction to the muscle cells produce this spike protein according to the RKI or where does it happen? It's clear that locally in uh, the cases uh, that uh, we uh, performed a post-mortem on, um, there was no, no modification. There was nothing to be found anymore uh, locally. And they continue the um, 
Um, vaccine is not capable of integrating itself into the uh, DNA um, of the body cells. Which body cells are they talking about? In the uh, body cells, proteins are created on the basis of the uh, spike proteins administered. Uh, that means that these proteins don't naturally occur in the body. Uh, so in other words, they don't know which cells produce these antibodies. Uh, body cells, which body cells, I'd like to know as a pathologist. Well, we've discussed this in the beginning with Dr. Hockertz, and we've tried to find out whether there happened any animal research and studies done by that before it was started to see what are the targets of that um, immunization, immunization. Where does it happen? What's what's the targets of the mRNA? And the only thing that was found was this leaked Japanese report um, from Pfizer-BioNTech in animals where um, the um, uh, spreading of the nanoparticles in the body was found. It was found in the spleen and the liver, or in the ovaries as well, uh, where these um, substances collected. It was, I don't know what animals it was, but that was the work um, ordered by Pfizer. And we found nothing else on any uh, research done on these um, mRNA substances where they should take effect, whether that's in the endothiles or in the liver or in the lymph nodes, wherever. By, by the way, the lymph node issue is quite interesting. The genealogists tell us that the women who got the uh, injection have a swelling of the lymph nodes at the side where the injection was done, and uh, that leads to um, uh, cancerous tissue. That's what we've been reported to. I was going to say a couple of things. First of all, we have this public statement by Ugro Sari vis-à-vis uh, -vis an Austrian magazine where he said that the nanolipids shell was selected such that it will migrate through the body in order to um, insert uh, the spike protein uh, to the dendritic cells. That is something that needs to be uh, examined. Um, analyzed what was selected here. Uh, obviously, it wasn't designed, uh, as the RKI says, that it remains uh, in the uh, location where it's injected in the muscle, but that it is supposed to migrate. And then I have another question. You uh, just said that in the five cases of case, um, 5% of cases, the lack of aspiration, um, i.e. the lack of um, sucking in a blood uh, that uh, blood vessels may have been uh, uh, were hit and then that uh, the vaccine is injected into the blood vessel rather than into the muscle so directly injecting it into the blood uh, stream now what we found when I visited uh, people who uh, reported health problems after the vaccination, uh, we compared the batches and it was notable that many of the people that we met actually seem to have received more damaging batches. It would be very um, a, a large coincidence if these uh, cases only occurred where 
Um, this happens with aspiration problems, and then we have batches that are distributed worldwide. And only with these batches this happens, then it would have, have to be much more widely distributed. So I wanted to um, uh, suggest that it might be uh, due to other causes. I think it could be both causes. If you look at that, billions of people have got the injection by now, if I'm informed well. Many, many more of these damages should have been caused. And um, that doesn't happen with everything, maybe with everyone, maybe the case because not everybody gets it into a vessel. Or the second point may be that uh, the batches don't contain the same substances. Um, and the VERSE uh, database seems to suggest this. So combining these two uh, factors lead to an intransparency, making it very difficult to say um, if somebody got the wrong, uh, got a uh, shot from the wrong batch or if it wasn't aspired. So this is something that we have to bear in mind. I have another question concerning this sudden and unexpected, these footballers and other um, high-performance sports people who just drop um, dead suddenly. And I spoke with a pathologist who said that's a very rare uh, exception, and it happened, but it was something that was discussed at Congresses, and, and now this seems to be happening all over. Um, this cause of death, Dr. Burkhardt, uh, do you know that? Do you have any additional uh, findings about this sudden and unexpected uh, dropping of people did, um, compared to how it happened in the past? Can we say that it's just a an um, attention bias, or is it really something that happens that more and more people drop dead? Well, I don't have exact figures on that, but well, roughly estimating, we had a case once a year, and these cases were always um, post-mortems. And uh, if people suddenly died, sportsmen suddenly dropped dead. That was always post-mortem. And we've said this, that here probably uh, some change of the um, uh, trigger system was done. Well, it's a clear statement. If that's uh, something that can be observed once a year, and now it happens maybe 12 times a year, or, or that's uh, according to what you just told us, that is something um, that is actually an underestimate of anything. But that's a huge difference, obviously. Well, maybe if I can jump in here, um, I've got activists. Uh, by the way, good morning. Um, they give me a monthly report of um, what happens in the sports uh, stadiums, and it's about 150 cases per month. And surely that's only the peak of the mountain. Um, many of the things don't get to the newspapers and can't be found, but quite clearly, uh, locally, um, there is no 
a place where this hasn't been reported yet and it used to be extremely rare before uh, most of all it may have been an elderly pensioner who emotionally got so excited that he got a heart attack watching the game it wasn't the young sportsman down on the pitch and that the reflex is now that this um, we have to put defibrillators everywhere is a perversion of what's going on here now we are being put through the end of any evidence and apparently nothing should be followed up uh, a small percentage of what's been said here should be enough to completely ban all these measures yeah that's been going on for a while of course if we see that again in the context of for instance what uh, Diana McLeod told us uh, the last time the last session uh, concerning the studies performed at Pfizer everything is fake uh, all the figures are falsified and if we see then what Mike Eden and his research group found which implies really that it's about testing lethal dosages here uh, so that you kill people without uh, scaring um, the living daylights out of people so that they can say 10% is normal next year is 40% etc and then what Professor Burkhardt um, and the other pathologists have found out that can't um, leave any doubt no reasonable doubt we're talking about any doubt really that this needs to be stopped immediately we said it before uh, whoever is involved in this and continues to be involved will be liable uh, under civil law and criminal law. Well, um, I think the important point is to clarify things. It may happen that things happens like in Seattle with the car windows, that uh, somebody got scratches. Um, um, there was an epidemic that the uh, car windows were scratched and this was published in the newspaper and everybody checked their car and saying there's a nuclear uh, thing going on in the environment and then in the end when they looked down in the details they found out they're always there and not in just uh, induced uh, they just didn't look out for that but if we want to clarify this kind of thing it's an attention bias that's going on and then the one would have to really look into these cases in detail that means uh, everybody should be pathologically examined and if I then find that this is made difficult if uh, relatives want to get that clarified and uh, that is not done, that in the framework of these experimental shots that the respective authorities don't make sure that there is a program um, standardizing the pathological examinations, including histology. Of course, lots of money has to go in. There's lots of money put into all of this anyway. So the safety of the population should be worth the money. This precaution principle should be observed and there should be looking in great detail if the spike protein is in the endotheles or not with people that had died now this can't be a private initiative there must be there are people responsible for the safety of the vaccines and this is what surely they will have to face responsibility for that they don't do that and that is criminal now, whether it uh, turns out that this is 
really uh, some things may be a bit more frequent and others and or if they all done by the vaccines now that's the result that we can't see now but what we can see now is that they deliberately don't care for it and expose the people still that um, is probably due to the fact that uh, not only for months but uh, for years and decades people have been placed in the uh, proper positions that ensure that it's not happening but the overall uh, uh, picture leaves no doubt and we've got the consolation that a third injection is put on top of that which has not even been designed in the studies um, so it hasn't even gone that far and uh, this has not been tested at all and we see more and more reports coming in that after the boosters um, more sudden deaths occur um, we're not even looking at the long-term effect Every new injection is Russian roulette again. The second, or the yes, and you can't you can't rely on your luck, really, dear hunter. That's where somebody plays a Russian roulette and uh, they get killed. Professor Burkhardt, we are very grateful to you for your work and very grateful for your time you have spent with us. This is not only here in Germany, but that is going to cause a worldwide stir. Um, also, in the proceedings, that is, uh, I've just got to point out the proceedings that we want to start next week is a grand jury proceeding, which is an examination of cause with a grand jury that's going to be our global audience and they are going to be presented the facts that we have and that we think that's enough to form an indiction um, giving that evidence to the jury and that fact which you have presented here is going to be of central uh, importance also for all following proceedings in the other um, courts of law. Thank you very much again, Professor Burkhardt. My pleasure. Okay, and then we can now turn to Dr. Reuter. He is a doctor of um, medicine, radiology. He wrote a book, The, um, the um, Fooled um, uh, patient, he criticizes that medicine often not, does not aim at the long-term well-being of the sick, but to fill the coffers of the clinics and the practices, and he asks for a better medicine, which must begin with a different numeration of medical services and money, must no longer determine life or death. Medicine must be understood as accompanying a natural healing process and not a war against dangerous pathogens. Dr. Reuter, you have uh, just made a contribution already. Surely you can say more about that. Well, even before Corona, um, a lot of things went wrong, went wrong in uh, the medical uh, profession. And uh, some of my colleagues um, thought that my uh, criticism that I published in 2017 uh, to be very exaggerated. And they have um, Become, uh, gone quite silent because um, 
it has become clear uh, that uh, damage is deliberately caused in patients. Uh, it's not only about a laissez-faire uh, thing that something is accepted, but it is often obviously provoked, as we can see now. Otherwise, um, a uh, obligatory vaccination, uh, the subscription, uh, basically now as they're planning now, uh, should not be uh, promoted, and it is supported by medical doctors and um, so we have to say that the doctors as a body um, have moved away from maintaining uh, the health of the population entirely. Why is that? Has that always been the case? Um, I've been a couple of years in two ethical commissions, the University Hospital in Göttingen and Hanover, and we found that many, especially of the professors, really were divas. I have heard from someone who must know that their estimate, and it's a high-profile person in a big university hospital, he says quite vitally, saying 98% uh, um, of the professors only look for money and fame and forget everything else beyond that. And this is someone who spent all their life in a university climatium with an exposed role. I always had the impression it's diva, diva behavior. I could have my laugh at it and uh, joke with the people, but he was much more strong. Would you share that view? Would you? Is that really the case in the university hospitals? And what about the other doctors? Not only at the university clinics, but in the other clinics, um, the situation is the same. It's not only due to the fact that a large percentage of doctors are not interested in health, but that uh, through selection um, of top positions, um, this is ensured. No professorship is uh, filled at the university clinics uh, without involvement of industry for many years now. But even in the large clinics, the situation is such that if somebody has run foul of some important uh, companies previously, I know from uh, some colleagues uh, who didn't want to meet the requirements of this big company Pfizer, did not get the uh, top positions afterwards, were not considered for them. Uh, so it's an extreme negative selection, that's quite obvious now, of medical personnel in the top positions, and then we can hardly expect uh, much. Uh, corruption in medicine is ripe, is rife. Um, I heard that in Austria, Pfizer company spent 330 million euro to create the right environment in scientific circles. And then, of course, that's done among those who are particularly dependent, and that is those um, doctors and scientists who are not uh, 
necessarily uh, needed. Um, the virologists, for instance, or the viraliers, um, uh, that's a better name for them, they have been made completely dependent um, by giving them money for completely unnecessary research. And that we can see on TV what's so absurd, because if we speak about a disease now, then no virologists or laboratory uh, physicians have anything to do with patients, with people who are ill. They don't even see them from a distance. And so uh, we have such ideas that only external treatment and uh, preventive or therapeutic measures can be successful because they know nothing about self-healing, about spontaneous uh, healing of the organism. They don't want to know about it. That's only the perspective of the pharmaceutical uh, industry has been for 150 years. We can only keep people alive if we use certain substances from the pharmaceutical industry and uh, uh, that we have a 24-7 um, uh, self-healing system which works brilliantly in mammals, has been working for millions of years, is completely ignored. Well, now with Corona, I believe, even if you're a layperson, if you have very fundamental medical knowledge, um, indeed, the self-healing processes of the body, the immune system, is deliberately destroyed. We don't have to look at the uh, vaccination. The vaccination was from the very beginning uh, at the center of the interest of those who are pushing this pandemic, because that is what you need, this um, justification of the pandemic, of the public health um, situation of public concern, not for self-healing. But if we look at the other measures, masks, it can't be good for the immune system. Social distancing can't be good for the, um, so for the immune system. Same goes for lockdowns. So it's really obvious to anyone, uh, what appears to be obvious, that these measures will actually lead to a lack of training for the immune system so that it can't do its job anymore. Uh, never um, uh, considering even that the immune system is deliberately targeted by the um, vaccinations. Why is that something that uh, doctors won't understand? Does it only have to do with corruption? Does it have to do with the fact that the uh, medical profession is under the control of the pharmaceutical industry? Well, it certainly has to do with corruption, but many um, um, in um, in the medical profession um, are simply due to opportunism. Those who uh, have any say in the medical profession um, are a small group of people. 80% of the people uh, in the medical profession are people who simply go along and who don't think about things anymore. Uh, so that it's due to the fact that they are drawn in uh, as students. It's this huge apparatus built by the medical profession, and they want to work as physicians one day there, and then they look at it and they prepare to be successful there. And this big apparatus, that's what we pay for. That's more than 50% of the monies that go to the clinics uh, for no reason at all, that go less and less into outpatient treatment, into prevention. So it's a huge 
a machinery that's called the medical um, industry that they call medicine and anybody who wants to be a physician within this machinery knows where he has to go he has to uh, get ready for this so this entire apparatus that we created uh, politically that designed itself created itself uh, through these lobby interests through politics is so perverted that you have to be afraid when you get into this system as a patient when you get ill but it is uh, something that you can't really um, accuse individual physicians um, of um, we are responsible for this we allowed this apparatus to grow we um, are um, uh, financing it the most dangerous place to get into when you get ill in germany is a hospital and this is what we spend our money on that is what people are trained to do to keep this industry going to generate a lot of money look at uh, the um, stock companies that are uh, growing here even a uh, church-sponsored hospital is a direct competitor and they go bankrupt if they don't do the same thing as helios and the other private clinics so uh, those who um, are in control here uh, determine what happens and the hospitals have to survive and even if they're uh, if they once had a christian outlook and were not <coughs> Um, profit-oriented have to go along now otherwise they go bankrupt and that is completely perverted and all young people who want to help who want to uh, move into medicine go into a horrible machinery and this is uh, an awful conflict uh, I can imagine that during their career they have to keep displacing a lot of things to be able to uh, go on and that is the main uh, evil that is the basis of the entire development that we see now and that the pharmaceutical industry uh, should be interested in the money that they want to have the largest share of the pie that the uh, big <coughs> clinics have want to have the share of their pie everybody has their strategy to maximize the profits and the medical staff are um, in between caught in this and uh, they have to go along otherwise they won't uh, be able to um, uh, earn a living so we have to rethink things uh, fundamentally we really have to ask ourselves what do we need of this whole system um, dr bookard i think wanted to say something no apparently not uh, well let me address what mr Fulmich said this uh, self-healing is surely an important point uh, now um, that it is deliberately destroyed, uh, trying to deliberately trying to destroy the uh, self-healing mechanisms. We have that book from the 70s, Limits to Growth of the Club of Rome, and we can see now that this gigantic growth in the health industry has come to its limits, and so that everybody who could be called somehow sick is not enough anymore one has to elaborate the range of customers and if this is done by repetitive injections and everybody is sick well then that's good everybody is sick and as the last two years have shown 80 percent of the people seem after everything that happened um have not 
still want to see see the truth. Um, when they're ready to wake up, it's too late. <clears throat> they have had, they'll have had too many injections. Well, if the situation is like some biologists have reported as well, that, well, never mind the toxic reaction caused by the highly toxic spike protein, as we all know, but the mRNA vaccinations, um, so-called vaccinations, are supposed to switch off the immune system. Uh, every shot a bit, uh, a bit more, to put it bluntly, that might match your theory um, that the number of patients is extended because once you've damaged or even switched off the immune system of a patient, as soon as that needs and um, a pathogen that would normally be killed by the immune system, nothing will happen anymore. So that means that if the body or the person needs to defend um, against this pathogen and the immune system fails, then he needs a replacement. And according to your uh, theory, that will be delivered by the pharmaceutical industry. Yes, and then they're going to say we have to deliver. It's very important because the pathogens have become more vicious. It's always going to be the nature that's the foe here. And after all these stupid tests of the people that have been tested, we'll do a genome analysis and find that it is some genetic changes that somebody has, which of course um, will be answered respectively by the industry issuing new genes saying we can do something about that we can improve your immune system by injecting some kind of mRNR which will be implemented into your cells so complete craziness madness and it's always going to be blamed on some external facts some pathogens and nothing uh, never what happened on the medical side before so self-criticism is very very weak here uh, i have um, pointed this out in the history of medicine until 1924 there was not a single word for a treatment uh, that led to uh, another ailment or death Jatrogene um, is the term, and that only was coined in 1924, uh, um, <clears throat> uh, and it's been uh, only introduced in the official language in the 1970s. So um, there is a long tradition of disguising death caused by treatments. Um, there is in medicine in Germany as well, and a doctor's uh, group, I think it's mostly young doctors uh, calling themselves medicines. I pay uh, for my food myself. They want to disconnect from the dependence of the pharmaceutical industry, and I heard a presentation given by one or two of these people, and it seemed like this attempt was very difficult to pursue, like it was almost impossible to disconnect from the pharmaceutical industry and to say, no, I won't accept any money so that I um, participate in certain uh, further training uh, meetings. And that is something that uh, has been offered to uh, doctors. Uh, come to a further training. It's free of charge, a great hotel, a free flight you can bring along 
um, your wife, etc. Um, and it was all paid for. And the presentation that I heard implied that it was very difficult to uh, move out of this uh, embrace of the um, pharmaceutical industry. Is it true that these people, not only since Corona, that these people really find it very hard to survive then? Well, yes, we just need to look at the figures. In Germany, we've got about 400,000 doctors, and the Netsis group have about 1,000 members after 10 years. So that is neglectable. And that shows us <coughs> that it's um, the normal procedure. Everybody learns this quickly when they've done their university course and go to any congress, whatever discipline they may be in. Um, uh, they have the always the colors and the banners of the pharma industry. So you could see this is the several, the so and so many uh, Congress of the cardiologists, but uh, it was always uh, decorated by the pharma industry. So, and the question is, what is the science here in this kind of event? And that's what we see here. It's all biased. The fact not only in the approval studies, um, but also in the media, we see the quotes of what our company Pfizer, AstraZeneca, say about their own product. And that uh, they did a study on their own product saying it's very effective and has no adverse effects. This can't be quoted seriously, but that's become the standard. And I think uh, we got 36 medical faculties that have spent two years doing nothing, who only do a study when they get money from the pharmaceutical industry and if they get an approval of the questions. Otherwise, they simply don't do anything. Well, what I found interesting now, which uh, supports what you mentioned earlier, that there are no more money-making schemes that are being added on top of this uh, vaccination strategy. Um, I saw it um, uh, before or after a video, a YouTube video a couple of days ago, uh, two people who spoke about um, the possibility of invest investment options, and they spoke about BioNTech and that they uh, work against um, uh, shingles, uh, uh, that they are developing a uh, medication against shingles, and we've seen that as a uh, side effect of the um, BioNTech uh, vaccination. So we can maybe offer a um, dual vaccination, including a, a vaccination against um, shingles, and maybe even more um, um, complications uh, added to it. So you have a multi-vaccination. To what extent do you believe that what we can see now um, is a well-designed um, thing, uh, all these vaccinations, um, all the vaccines, um, including a lot of uh, high tech, it's not simply mixed together, but we get the impression that they know exactly what this does, uh, this thing, uh, or what's your impression? It's speculative, of course, now, but um, it seems to be well coordinated. Whether, whether they really know what they're doing, I have my doubts, but the taking these so-called uh, adverse effects and making a business out of that, that's obvious, that's evident. It's not Pfizer who uh, themselves work against uh, a vaccine against shingles, but they simply bought a company who does that. <clears throat> 
And that uh, seems to have happened in a couple of adverse effects as well. Uh, so they buy a company to offer a solution to what they have caused. And especially in terms of shingles, it's absurd. Shingles is something that is not an inter external infection. It is caused by the persistence of viruses inside nervous cells, which under given conditions, if the immune system is weakened, become active and uh, show the symptoms. And this is something that you can't vaccine away because the pathogen is there already. It's always there. And you can't uh, vaccinate it away. That's a very implausible concepts that are come up with here. But um, we've had this in all the COVID vaccines as well. This is not plausible concepts that are behind this. I have a virus which is normally caught by the immune system um, and divided into 20, 30, 40 parts, which are recognized and then killed off. And now I come in with a single protein, which in this case, <coughs> is not uh, present anymore with Omicron. I come up with a single protein which is produced by the body itself and which in some kind of time will be produced. Whether it's a couple of days, weeks, months, years, nobody knows. And that is to <coughs> lead to some kind of immunization Innovation, in, independent of correlation, uh, there's no plausibility in this. But that's really shocking if there's a shingles uh, issue. If the viruses are already in the cells, that's a um, variant of herpes, really. Then you cause additional issues such as autoimmune reactions or whatever. If the virus is already there, um, that's really terrible. And then you need some treatment against this, and that's really a perpetual mobile. Yes, and that's the perversion of it all, which is not made in the public dis uh, discussion. If I think this kind of vaccination does make sense, it's always the treatment of a healthy person. And with healthy people, I have very, mu very uh, uh, much higher safety requirements. <clears throat> and on the other side, I would have to have a very lethal disease. But that's not the case in COVID and in the other viruses, infections is not the case. So the balance is completely uh, distorted. And if we look at 2021, we had an excess mortality of 50,000 people, which are um, led back to nothing else than the injections. And we know that in one year, it's not going to be 100,000 COVID deaths in a year's time, out of which maximum five percent really had a five, had a corona infection in germany it's not examined but there was an examination in england and uh, earlier in the us it's four to five percent of the official covid deaths actually had corona so that gives me three to four thousand people which is nothing out of the range because 30 50 thousand people at age die on a pneumonia pneumonia and uh 
um, I have as a consequence an excess mortality of 50,000 people due to the injections and that is factor 10 and probably that's not all Dr. Bo Professor Bolfard has told us over 120 days after the second injection it's not over <clears throat> So that's the time that was uh, six weeks now down to 30 days, that only within 30 days a negative effect can happen. This is not the case with any of the injections. It can be the case much, much later in these injections, surely even more. And uh, so there are consequences months and years even after. If this is a series of injections that was taken, that can still be seen as causal for death. But we also have to say that um, the corona cases are well documented. Um, they're over-documented because we know that many po false positives um, are included, but all the uh, vaccination cases are not documented. So many things that we don't even know about, um, the long-term effects that you just mentioned, but we know already, as Professor Wallach um, uh, analyzed, um, there were only one or two uh, percent of cases that were actually captured right now, and we have to expect that the mismatch is even much bigger. Quite right. And that would match with it. This one uh, case of death per thousand is what I said at its time. The Norwegians were the first and only who, after the start of the injections in the care homes, did the monitoring. And they published it at the time. And uh, quickly, this was pushed and swept under the rug. But that was one case of death per thousand. And um, what we see here is the 50,000 excess mortality rate. And on the other hand, we see that about 2,000 um, deaths are registered in the Paul Ehrlich Institute. And um, they have reduced this to about 200. Um, the other 1,800 cases had nothing to do with this, which is, of course, absurd. Because if you ask there, and then you'll find out that they don't look at the cases at all. But just let's assume the 2,000, and we know from earlier reportings that maximum 5% of the cases and severe adverse effects are actually reported to the Paul Ehrlich Institute. That would leave us um, uh, with uh, 40,000. <clears> and in this case, um, it is maybe three, four, one percent in this case, because many of the discussions I've had with people show that the doctors are not advised to report. And uh, um, it's also not foreseen that patients can report themselves. This is why we've got the VERS system in the US where there's more reportings going on, probably some wrong ones, but the figures are quite different there. And here, right from the start, we have this filter that as little as possible will be reported, and that is even reduced by the Paul Ehrlich Institute. 
One death per thousand. Uh, I've heard that before. Now, what do you refer to now? Is that on average with all vaccinations or is that only for these new so-called vaccinations? That is now for this COVID vaccinations. Normally, there are no uh, decent statistics. Um, 30 years ago, the producers have been asked by the WHO to provide safety data. And until today, they have not done so. So there is no uh, reliable data for any kind of vaccination. It is only assumed that with measles and so on, it is very rare, maybe one to 100,000 or one to one million. That's the range that it was usually seen. One to thousand, one to three or four, two thousand is a catastrophic, a disastrous figure. And if we see that with the swine flu at the time, it was about one to 20,000 or one to 30,000, this um, um, uh, narcotemia. And <clears throat> that, that stopped the vaccinations. And now with these disastrous figures, we do not even discuss that these injections had to be stopped, we see what's going on, that there is no monitoring and no control so much. Well, with pandemics, I uh, saw we had uh, 4 million uh, doses um, in Sweden as well. And uh, they were much more closing up to us, but the number of figures of the vaccinated were as high, same as high. And in uh, Sweden, the reported figures were twice as high with a comparable uh, population of the injected. That tells us what the monitoring system does. We see that comparing uh, Germany and Holland. Um, that there, the, there is 10 times as many reports than in Germany. And in this case, we always have to assume that if it is the same uh, substance, that if there is more reporting, that's more close to the truth than uh, the other way around. Uh, so we have to take the worst case here as the regulator, at least. <clears throat> and. Uh, take that as a basis and do that for all countries, wondering what's the reporting system, how fit is it. And apparently here in Germany, it is deliberately as bad as it is, because many of the areas, the pharmacovigilance is done by the same people who approve the vaccine. So that's a systematic conflict of interest that has uh, been established here. Uh, making the people who are responsible for the damage are not going to look for the damage. And the same happens with the vaccinating doctors and with the approving companies. That's an automatic stop that we can't see what we are sold here. But basically, the doctors would be obliged to report these things, and it would be easy for the Paul Ehrlich Institute to send out a request to do that, to send out a reminder. If I get a doctor who has a suspicion and doesn't report, I can um, file a criminal court against him, which is findable up to 25,000 euros. Well, that's going to be difficult in the face of the propaganda, um, because they're going to say, oh, I couldn't think of this, that this had to do with the vaccinations. But it seems to be worse here than in many other countries. Your comparison 
with the Dutch systems, where there's 10 times as many, uh, doesn't explain that the Germans are so much more robust. It can only be explained with the system, which is very bad in Germany. But even in the US, especially for what's going on now, the motto that is sent out to the hospitals and the doctors um, do not report. Um, still, many don't even know that verse exists. We know that from the Sue Frost, who's a politician who we've heard here, who was a nurse many years ago, and still, what is going on is still better observed, much better observed than over here. And we assume 500,000 uh, deaths of, after the start of the vaccination in the first six months in the context, or at least in the temporal context, with the vaccination, it's difficult to put this in words. It's so alarming that in the overall view, um, we really have to say it's a bollocks study that's being done. Everything is done to not do any histologic examinations, no postmortems, and so on. And we've got the hints from the group of Dr. Mike Yeadon that here they are looking for lethal dosages. There can't be any doubt uh, that here as elsewhere, these uh, vaccinations have to be stopped immediately, but I do fear it's going to carry on for a while, and it's um, only going to be the stack of deads that can't be swept under the rugs. Well, but maybe here, again, a little observation that shows how far we have still been, how far we are away from enlightenment. <clears throat> I got uh, colleagues that uh, passionately vaccinate the people. Um, the colleague um, starts to ask questions now that after a week, in the following week, seven of his uh, patients are dead. And so if a, a surgeon that does operations and so on in a week after doing the surgery had seven patients died, everybody would have said, what's this guy doing? The second dead already, um, the re relatives would be knocking at the door, uh, he would have stopped his job, whatever. No, no, they simply carry on. Seven deaths per week, maybe some of the batches had gone wrong. It is incredible if we look at that. Isn't that the case that if you know who this person is, where one could uh, uh, file a suit, report this? That will be, isn't that, isn't that worth following up? <coughs> of course. Uh, of course. Um, that that's reportable. I was an official doctor, and there is um, an obligation to report simply if there is blood uh, 
uh, uh, samples and so on. And if I got the reports of hepatitis B, um, I um, and, and three from the same praxis uh, out of three months, I went there and looked at what they're doing, what's going on. That's uh, observable, and there is, um, <clears throat> uh, and uh, the doctors that prevent us, the official doctors, um, need to do so. So even the authorities' doctors should go on. They get the death certificate, and then they should start looking into this. If they get uh, so many from one practice, um, with that suspicion. Um, the official doctors from the authorities should go there and inspect. They are to protect the population against these risks. And uh, that seems to be a big risk here, much bigger than the risk of a corona infection, multiple, multi, many times more. And uh, um, there is uh, um, something that needs to be inspected. Denmark, last March, prohibited to inject without aspiration. Denmark did that. Denmark did that. They knew it. It's generally known that this is a wrong decision of the WHO. And the Danish government said, uh, if you do the, uh, the uh, injection, you have to aspire. Where's the other health authorities that do that? And here now it's even get work getting worse. Even the pharmacies start to inject now. It's not the pharmacists, but some of their staff, anyone, as I've read, uh, briefly trained. I don't I don't know. So the cleaning lady can do it. Well, if they hear they have to aspire before they breathe deeply before they do it. Well, it'd be interesting to see whether Denmark has changed figures in the mortalities from the point in time when that additional safety measure was taken. Although they don't know if it's done, but anyway, would be interesting to see. Well, very, very evil picture, and it's going to be more evil. Mr. Reuter, is there anything else you'd like to add? That was a very clear um, indiction, really, that from all I know I can support. Is there anything else that we need to know to clarify what's going on here? Well, maybe one more aspect, not particularly on COVID, because many people are still convinced that whatever is happening to COVID, the medical system with its doctors, with the pharma companies, is important for our health. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a higher life expectancy. What is overlooked in that is if we look at the figures in Germany, 1950, we had a th we spent a three hundredth of what has spent for Corona in 2018, uh, 29, 2019-20. Now we are much more higher, and um, if 
If we look at the criteria, the criteria is not life expectancy. That's a hypothetical um, figure which has to do with the development of the population, the wars, the aged, and so on. And the actually death rate, death rate in a society can be looked up in the statistical federal office and the uh, average death rate is constant between 1 to 1.2 percent since the 50s until now including now if i spend 300 times as much money with the health system the this rate should have changed somehow but it didn't happen and this is simply because medicine does sensible things in some areas but traditionally causes a lot of damage and death all over the time so at most it is balanced and now with covid we um, are pushed into a different type of balance um, if we actually have to see all these COVID death consequences. But as Dr. Buchner told us, um, he doesn't get much material to examine the pathologists are stopping this and if the time lap between the infection um, from the injection is longer and if the many postmortems are done without histology what is that to tell us and what can we expect okay when i um, closely cooperated with a head of uh, pathology many years ago, I think I mentioned it before, I participated in a conference where all the uh, participants uh, pointed out that far too few postmortems are performed. Um, the result is that a maximum of 10% of all murders are as uh, recognized as such because nothing is happening in Germany. And this is continuing, uh, literally speaking, um, except that even fewer of these well, murders are recognized. The quota, the quota is strongly climbing. The experts uh, say 30% of the death certificates have no type of cause of death in any way. The colleague Tokos, the coronet as the, uh, at the charity says 50% um, of the death certificates are simply wrong. And that quota is going to grow, quite surely. And that refers to um, the death certificates pre-corona? Yes, quite right. So, so probably we are reaching 80% or more now. Okay. Uh, Dr. Reiter, thank you very much. I think you have hit the nail on the head. Most people are going to say, oh, now finally somebody says it. It's not only that many people have read your books. There are others that have been uh, looking at these uh, situations in the medical industry. And it's good to have this now. We thank you for your presentation. My pleasure, Mr. Reiter. And thank you for the invite. Okay, we'll stay on the same rail, so to say, and look at another corona from Austria this time, Professor Mislevitz. He is a corona 
former professor of the University at Vienna. He observed frequent cases of heart muscle inflammation, myocarditis, with fatal consequences in children and young people up to 30 after the COVID vaccination in inverted commas. Myocarditis often goes undetected. Autopsies after death temporarily related to corona are often not considered, and adverse event prefer reports do often not occur. And he's going to talk to us uh, what happens after or can happen after a vector vaccination in the body. P um, Professor Mitlovitz, you are a colleague of Professor Borkard. So maybe you have uh, heard what Professor Borkard has told us earlier today. If yes, does that match to what you have been observing and what you fear? I can say the same thing as Professor Burkhardt, but I'm a colleague of Professor Chokosh and not of Mr. Burkhardt. I'm not a pathologist, but I'm um, a, a coroner. And what's uh, coming down the line is um, that in uh, Austria, uh, situation has changed. Uh, there was a vote in Parliament. Uh, there will be a vaccination mandate um, uh, beginning 15th of March. Those who um, have not received a vaccination yet uh, will be um, called on to do that. And if they don't respond, they will be fined. Do we know the amount of the fines? Maximum 3,600 euro, up to four times a year, and we can, of course, reject it. There's a second approach as well. There are to be traffic uh, controls where the police will uh, check if the um, passengers use um, the apply the 2G rules, and if not, um, there will be fines as well, up to 600 that's, euros. That's, that's absurd. I have to buy my health by paying for this, so that gives us 20,000 euros per year, which I have to make in money to uh, get uh, free from these uh, attacks on my body by the state. Well, Austria has become absurdistan, and people like myself can probably afford it to pay it for two people. Others won't be able to do so. There will be uh, numerous um, objections all the way uh, through the different uh, courts of appeal, which will go all the way up to the uh, constitutional court, and the legal system and the administrative system will probably no longer be able to handle this. That is the plan of the opposition, uh, which includes myself. I have a, an information on that of the assertion of the constitutional judges who say is not implementable if a large number of people fight this uh, going to the administrative schools, courts and for that these courts are not able to uh, handle this i think they would uh, need four to five times as much staff to handle the expected rate of complaints uh, in terms of staff alone I cannot really imagine that the government can keep this up because I've heard from the colleagues, I mean the lawyers, Dr. Brunner, for example, Forstuber, Beneda, 
and others who've told me that the legal system seems to be kind of working in Austria, even if the output of the so-called is not um, observed by the so-called government. Uh, so that it's, it's not our people, it's uh, people from the Davos clique and uh, uh, who do not fulfill the um, uh, needs of the population. But if that is really pushed through, it can be expected that these um, expectations of the judges are not completely off and that uh, breaks down the system. Can the government survive that? Well, I would think that uh, the uh, government will survive and um, um, we would need re-elections, but the uh, National Council would have to um, decide that there will be re-elections and they won't decide that. So we will just have to uh, see this through. So. The uh, ruling by the uh, Constitutional Court will happen no sooner than a year and a half after the uh, start of things. Well, it could be the case that this is so corrupt that a uh, flash uh, proceedings um, involve the Constitutional Court and it agrees. Uh, but that's absurd. How? What are the reactions? I've heard a couple of, but what? Um, how does mainstream uh, address this? <clears throat> well, the press supports, has been supporting the governmental approach since the beginning, claiming that the vaccination mandate is the only uh, correct uh, way forward. That's the way it is. And uh, it results from um, our hearing all the time how important, how dangerous COVID-19 is. So it's uh, known by everyone now that um, can't be called conspiracy theories anymore. First thing being that what we've heard here many times that pharma industry is in full control um, uh, with a very few exceptions. And the second tourism is that the money, it's a financial mafia that's uh, flooding the money from the back. The same people who use their money to buy the pharma industry and the tech industry also control the mainstream media. So if these tourisms are made aware to an, um, a larger part of the population, and that's what's going on, especially the resistance, which is just as strong over there than here, probably more. If that slowly but surely enters the heads of the people, there should be a jerking awake. There should be jerks of protest. I know that in Austria, still, despite the um, threats, there's a lot of protest going on. Is that the case, or do you see the people shying away? On the contrary, ever more people take to the streets. Um, there are two days a week where uh, people attend demonstrations, far more than claimed by the press. They are always uh, estimating down the numbers. Um, they say it's so, so many people participated, and it was really a lot more. 
if they write 30,000 attended, then it's usually 60 to 90,000 who demonstrated. And that is the situation right now. How will it move on? Well, let me uh, uh, talk something about the pharmaceutical industry. The pharmaceutical industry doesn't even have to uh, involve, get involved. There are uh, free uh, newspapers that uh, go along with the government line, more controls, more vaccinations, more fines, and these newspapers don't um, get money through sales because they're free of charge. They depend on uh, government subsidies uh, worth 15 to 20 million euro. And so, of course, they say what the government want. So just a, um, a friendly phone call uh, with the editor-in-chief is enough. That is the Austrian approach. You can say one thing, but you can always um, reach a uh, gentleman's agreement. Austrians are like that. They have a tendency towards corruption. They're friendly, but they don't mean what they say, but they have to say it. So that's a propaganda magazine, really, of the of the two, two of these newspapers, which are publicly funded. Uh, you don't know who works there, possibly people who worked for the government before. Well, we know very well who works there. And um, one of the editors-in-chief, I don't uh, want to give any names uh, to avoid legal uh, problems, published uh, surveys where the government, the, the government party always gets the highest figures by now. There are many indications that these surveys were falsified and there is a um, um, parliamentary inquiry. We had the three chancellor here. We had Sebastian Kurz and uh, Alexander Scheid. And uh, the, the names change in the government, but the line um, remains the same. Can it be that this is case of a plan, three failing chancellors to convince the people that we need a global government or in the first step a EU government? Is that the propagation or haven't you seen that? It's not um, promoted, uh, but a lot of um, laws are modified uh, to match them up with the uh, COVID vaccination law. And it all goes in the direction of the EU. Um, they are uh, the EU is relying uh, more and more on regulations that are binding on us, so we can't um, object to it anymore. And national law is, of course, uh, subject or secondary to EU law. Do the people note that, or doesn't anybody see that? No, only few people notice that. Very few uh, people in the know. Most people don't uh, realize what's happening here because they are uh, under pressure in their day-to-day -day lives. Um, some of them because uh, they are in a permanent lockdown, uh, like myself. We can't go anywhere without any uh, uh, proofs. I can't go to a coffee house or whatever. And the others are under pressure because uh, they are 
pressurized by their uh, employers to uh, get vaccination uh, to get vaccinated uh, to retain their jobs if you talk to your colleagues and the other coroners um, do you hear from them how or that they <clears throat> see the real facts or do they all try to shut up mainstream wise I'm in the uh, the lucky position of being financially independent I'm um, um, retired uh, so I can freely speak I have no existential uh, threats anymore. Um, the uh, Chamber of uh, Medicine cannot stop me from practicing anymore. From my colleagues, I can only give some limited uh, reports. I spoke to a colleague in the uh, coroner's office in Vienna. I won't give his name, otherwise he'll run into problems. And I asked him, we've had two years of COVID-19. How many uh, COVID-19 deaths have you um, um, subjected to a post-mortem, and um, he says, well, only a very few, I think a total of 15 cases. Uh, well, great. And how often uh, were um, you asked whether uh, side effects of a vaccination might be the cause of death? Uh, how many have you been asked that? Not once. And then I uh, called another colleague, how many uh, cases of COVID-19 have you uh, subjected to post-mortem? He says, uh, none. Um, our boss protects us from an infection. Um, they take the clinical uh, diagnosis and puts it in the uh, death certificate. So I'm speaking of Vienna. Here we can't expect much of the coroner's office. So looking at the structures of the dependency, if there's an unwanted examination that should happen, did happen, was there a suspicious case or something that wasn't good for the hospital, then do you have, did you see any influences? I retired in 2014. Um, the dependency structure was such that I had to obey my boss, and it went so far that my experts' opinions were um, analyzed and improved by a uh, high school graduate who had no medical training, and if I protested, that was no good. That's the way things went. However, she only improved my or, uh, orthography if I wrote um, one word for brain. Um, she um, used another word for it. That's the way it works in my um, employment. I don't know what the situation is elsewhere in Austria. It's um, incredible. Incredible. Don't these people see, even if you push things away, you have to see it before? Do you think that they uh, simply don't see it or what? <clears throat> You're asking an interesting question now. I think there are many people in the medical profession in uh, leading positions who 
have come to terms with the system and get to the top position and stay there because they are compliant and they don't ask those questions anymore. And that is the way they ensure their own success. So that means they don't have to suppress anything. But if I did see the problem, it can't be the case nobody sees, you can't be the only one. You're the one who speaks out because you're immune, you're out of the system, but you can still not be the only one. There must be other medical staff. And those who do see that things are not right, don't they see that earlier or later it'll catch them? <clears throat> no, I don't think so. There are doctors in Austria who see it. Uh, there was uh, the case that 200 uh, doctors wrote an open letter to the head of the Austrian uh, Physicians' Chamber, uh, Thomas Eckerich, upon which eight of them are now fearing for their jobs. So there are colleagues who see this and who take a stance against this. Professor Sönigsen is another case. He attended a um, press conference um, uh, at a meeting um, a couple of weeks ago um, by uh, Zoom and um, he has been told that uh, as per March, he doesn't, uh, he has lost his job. Only because he voiced his opinion. <clears throat> well, the university takes a different view there. Uh, they say that he violated corona uh, um, measures uh, repeatedly, etc. But there should be written warnings and so on. This seems to be constructed that uh, suddenly now, after this um, statement, uh, they find out that this had happened before. So it's very transparent what's going on. But it's shocking, monstrous. There are, I have more anecdotes, I don't know if you want to know them. Well, these are the, the little puzzles that make up the whole image. I was invited today uh, to speak uh, together with Dr. Brunner um, to speak about uh, vaccination damage and two uh, victims were uh, heard, a young fitness trainer who had severe myocarditis, um, um, uh, 22 years old, and a young lady. And it was planned to hold this uh, event in a museum. I went there and we weren't allowed to uh, go in because we didn't, uh, weren't able to show proof of vaccination. And so we all left the um, uh, museum cafe in order to uh, hold a press conference elsewhere, which was uh, fortunate, as it turned out, because there was, um, by accident, there was a police check in the um, museum cafe, um, and anybody who couldn't produce a proof of vaccination was um, fined. So that's today's story. So this is just a picking up on people, is it? 
Yeah, maybe it was even uh, the intention was to let you all to, to find find out about all of you. Well, in Vienna, we've got 2,000 coffee houses, and exactly this one was uh, visited by the police. Coincidence? Who may want to think so? That's incredible. But it shows how um, unpleasant what you had to tell us must be for these people. Otherwise, you don't need to do this kind of thing if it's just uh, some irrelevant stuff then one could have the people speak. So it's a lot of nervousness in the system. <clears throat> and the absurdity is unmatched. You do um, event on adverse effects with the victims, and they, you are to be forced to be vaccinated. That seems to be Kafkaesque. Well, it's also the case that these two victims, uh, following the new um, <clears throat> law, have to be vaccinated again, uh, because they have to prove that uh, can't be because of uh, health damage. And uh, so this is not by a doctor, that is done by a public health officer. So that's even more according to the constellation that we have here, where theoretically I think doctors could do it, many don't, uh, because a causal um, relationship um, is difficult to establish between the damage um, after and uh, in temporal relation with the uh, vaccination, how can they do it? So some um, there may be some um, points uh, pointing in that direction, and they advise not to vaccinate again. That's uh, thinkable. But now, if that is done by the public health officer, uh, it's easy to foresee the result of, and uh, they are um, they need to follow what they're told. I think uh, Austria is the laboratory in the EU testing out how far they can go and how um, strongly resistant will be. I think that's um, how I interpret it politically. I hope I'm wrong, but I'm and I fear it is. <clears throat> yes, I do so. And they simply test, they push forward, and if there's no resistance, they don't do it there, but in other countries as well. So we have to draw the conclusion from this. We still have a head to use. We have to conclude that we need to be resistant in any thinkable, peaceful way. And there is many. One of them is quite clear in Austria, which is the justice system. Um, which will probably having a lot of work to do over the next two, three years that none of these punishments uh, will be uh, imposed because um, this has a postponing effect. And uh, there are, um, there are, the, um, it, it, there are uh, limited times. We know from discussions that we've had with um, 
people affected, I know of colleagues, but also a lot of physicians, that many people say, particularly people with young children, uh, say, I'm not going along anymore, I leave the country, go to going to Croatia. I uh, spoke to someone yesterday who said um, I uh, crossed the border to Croatia. I thought I was in heaven. No measures. 99% uh, of people don't wear a mask. 1% maybe. I don't think there's an alternative, but I can understand that somebody who says I have four little children and I don't want to expose them to this. I can understand that you uh, take this measure which uh, will buy you at least some time, but sooner or later, if you allow this to happen, um, if you don't uh, uh, defend yourself, then they'll go everywhere. As you say, test laboratory, Austria, if it works there, then it will be uh, done in uh, Germany and the other European countries, and that'll be rolled out across the globe. But of course, it's always it's not uh, all-encompassing. They always try to demonstrate with um, illusions of um, almightiness, but they can't get us everywhere. But can you see that in Austria, the people who can afford it say, I'm ha "I've had enough and going somewhere else," but uh, or uh, have the people that you know uh, come to the point where they say, "We know what's happening. We fight this." Well, there is talk about this, and it's been thought out by some people, but few can, and they want to resist. At least that's what I hope for. We can only hope so, yeah. That um, doesn't only apply uh, to Austria, it applies uh, globally. And I can only make it clear, I got some uh, information earlier, uh, the international legal proceedings that we will initiate is a grand jury proceedings that is guided by an institution of uh, the legal system in the U.S. Uh, grand jury proceeding means that the 12 jurors, in this case it will be our viewers across the globe, that we show them the evidence you have and um, then you ask them, is this enough evidence to uh, indict people? Uh, we have four uh, puppets, pu uh, puppets here, Fausten, uh, uh, Drossen, Fauci, uh, and two others. Um, that is only the first step um, to see uh, should they be indicted. That is only the first step of uh, proceedings. That still uh, leaves us with one uh, leg in the system uh, because the grand jury system um, proceedings this is part of the American legal system. You do that if you want to. Um, see whether you should indict somebody and the uh, person to be indicted um, is not supposed to get wind of this and the next step would be the much more interesting one possibly namely uh, the uh, step where we will make use of a new legal system the old one is pretty broken globally with uh, the exception of India and South Africa where it might look differently some parts of the US are different but um, it uh, is to be 
uh, ensured in the second step with a new legal system uh, that things are uh, put back in order because we are the people that's as easy as it is. In Austria, things are a bit different uh, where we can see that uh, the courts of law actually, actually are still functional. In Germany, they have been intimidated, as you probably noticed. Um, they still do their job. The uh, problem is that uh, the um, governments so far um, have not been interested in what the courts of law say. So if the Vienna Court of uh, District Court decides that uh, we uh, cannot determine a, an infection and um, with a PCR test and therefore you can't um, ban a demonstration that way and they simply don't impose this, um, will that lead to people uh, realizing that um, the government isn't really our government? Is that becoming more apparent or aren't people realizing this yet? I would say 80% of the people don't think about that. 20 have been thinking that way for a long time. So if they've been um, thinking that way for a long time, then they probably had uh, been doubting some um, reporting of um, events in the mainstream media, starting with 9-11 and other events. I don't have the impression that this is scrutinized any in any way. For me, this process, as I observe it, is just starting now. And the second year of Corona, really, before uh, the majority um, uh, stared um, at the snake like the rabbit. Well, that's interesting because I myself never used to be very critical. I could see that some things are wrong in the legal system, quite wrong, but I always was uh, um, sometimes spent um, in the US always, and then I calmed down and I figured, okay, things are working here, and it um, uh, feeds back on us so that if Volkswagen um, are under pressure in the US, um, so that they have to admit um, malfeasance, then of course they can't um, um, ignore this in Germany anymore. Um, but the fact that my impression at least has been that those who have always been critical and didn't trust the government, uh, that they never trusted the narratives of the government or what the, the uh, um, media came along with. 9-11 is an example where I never had a doubt, for instance, until somebody who really knows the US explained to me how come that three towers collapse if only two have been affected, have been hit by airplanes. So it's amazing that the people in your country uh, According to your perception, only um, have started doubting their own government due to Corona. Yes, the Austrian is a person who starts to doubt late. Uh, talking about myself personally, when I came to think that uh, what we're told is wrong, but it's propaganda, was the Iraq war, where it was found out these mass murder, these weapons of mass murder um, didn't exist. And that was used to justify the second war. 
And that was quite clear that there is an influence that one has to keep an eye on. Well, the situation is not all that easy. Um, we saw it with this little uh, round trip to the uh, vaccination victims uh, where we uh, realized, well, they see that they um, went into something um, that wasn't as safe as the government uh, claimed, and uh, they're disappointed. They don't want to go along anymore, but they're left alone with the damage now. But then it's very difficult, particularly when you're uh, physically damaged, to think about that other things might not be right either, and that uh, maybe the entire health system, as we just heard from Dr. Reuter, um, is um, problematic overall. And that things are much, the whole thing is much bigger and across more industries than you would have thought or would be inclined to think. And that's a big step. And I know that from people who realized a number of things at the beginning of the crisis, uh, that this can actually make you despair and that uh, can take you out of action for a couple of weeks or even longer um, uh, to, to come to terms with these things. On the other hand, uh, the fact is that the booster um, is coming down the line now, particularly for people who have problems, and that is um, of course uh, something that people are afraid of when they've had problems with the um, vaccinations in the past, so people start thinking in more detail about this, and I can see a big opportunity for us. And uh, we can see that many people who usually simply went along uh, take to the streets. And it's not only the people who have been uh, thinking about corrupt structures in agriculture for 10 years or whatever. You're quite right. Often very young people are affected that have other concerns in their life than politics. They have to fight for their existence, building up their careers and uh, getting a foot in the door, starting a partnership. They will get into political awareness later on only. But uh, the amount of people on the roads that I see, I see, I'm 71 years old. I've never seen this before. So there is an awareness. And it's um, through hope that this is going to help. We are not going to stop. It's our only option. We have no choice, as I uh, keep saying. Uh, I have been interviewed and I was asked, uh, why do you do what you're doing? And I said, I can't help it. But the dilemma we uh, suffer is um, easy to understand. The moment you start thinking about whether what is happening makes sense or not, if I try to match an illness whose uh, survival rate is 99.97%, the uh, danger uh, level of this uh, disease is 0 0.1, 0 0.2, 0 0.4 maybe, um, um, but no more than the fatality rate of uh, uh, a flu. And then how come this, um, because there are so many cases, but there are no, not so many cases. The PCR test, we know the uh, Drosten fake tests uh, creates up to 100% false positives, um, and the PCR test can't determine an infection anyway. And this is where I start having problems. When I see 
There is no risk. There are normal conservative treatment options. I don't need anything uh, special. Uh, you can do it with vitamins C, D, zinc, etc. When I see that the PCR test, which is the basis of it all, is a fake, then I have to ask myself, what's this all about? And this is where some uh, worldviews are being shattered. The young people that you just mentioned who are really apolitical, and I, I think you're talking about the two um, vaccination victims. Yes, I've talked to them. Uh, they stand for many, though because they uh, didn't go to take the shot because uh, they thought they would get ill. They wanted to have a normal life. They wanted to go to the cinemas, and uh, they were told in their job they can't have their job and they are not vaccinated. That was what motivated them. Yeah, that's always the reason, nearly, as we can see. We have to be careful uh, to make sure nobody can see who you're talking about. But I visited a medium-sized company with 70 employees, and only one person there is not vaccinated. But one of those who took me around there, um, vaccinated, uh, told me afterwards, hey, uh, we see the Corona Committee, we watch the Corona Committee all the time, we know about it. Uh, he was vaccinated, but he said, never again. But the moment I uh, see that for myself, I won't go along with this anymore because the findings have taken me to the point where I had to start thinking about what's this all about if it's not about health. Then the whole house of cards has to collapse. So if you ask, uh, start asking questions, you don't stop and you want to know it all. And then it has to become clear that it's our own so-called governments who defend the interests not of us, but of the pharmaceutical industries and other industries. And if you uh, stop um, getting enraged about that, you still have to uh, get dizzy. And you have to understand that some people say, oh, I don't want to know about this, really. But there's the other group as well that includes yourself and us, I think, who do want to know. For example, a colleague of mine in the U.S., a very successful and experienced uh, lawyer, when he realized what happened, when he started realizing that, that gradually, I think it was back in October, he was ill for a month. He was just uh, take, he just took to bed. He didn't know what's up or down and what he has. Um, uh, maybe it was coupled with the depression, uh, but then he took the next step. And he saw this is not about health. It's about extremely much money that is being earned by uh, those who are being used as um, puppets here. And there's a much bigger agenda behind this. So I believe that the second step, which will may lead to the collapse of a uh, worldview, is a question of mental health. I do not want to go along in a dark uh, tunnel wondering when will it end. I want to see uh, what's happening so I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. But those are probably two different approaches. I can understand one of them, but it's not the one I have. But it explains why so many people stop in the tracks halfway just so they see at some stage anyway what's happening because the body count that will uh, decide the whole thing now. I'd like to make a personal remark. Um, not only qualified as a corona, I have a 
training and psychotherapy, which I've practiced over five years, and I noted that people stick to their convictions because they make life easy and nice for them. And if you see the game that's played, it's a big disillusionment, disillusion, and uh, that hurts. Even if life is better afterwards, it's a painful process. And this childish trust that we have in our superiors, my parents that care for me, that do my best, that is completely lost, and we know that. And that is a very, very painful process, and uh, some people do not manage it. Some, unfortunately, fortunately can, because they have no choice. Well, Professor Linz, who always pointed out our competence, uh, our moral competence, and I think it doesn't only um, apply externally, but also internally. If I recognize that there are things out there that are damaging to me, then it's a question of morality vis-a-vis -vis yourself and of self-love. Let you say, I won't uh, do this to myself, at least I'll wait as long as I possibly can and see if there's any way of avoiding this. In the meantime, I do everything I can by going uh, to demonstrations, by refusing um, uh, these things, by telling other people about this. It's my own conscience that takes me um, go out there and informing others about the problems. That is very important as well, because I have to live with the fact that I didn't inform people, that I didn't tell people about my damage, uh, saying that, look, this is what happened to me be careful that that can happen to you as well. And I think these things are things that we have to think about very closely. And it's uh, very difficult to live with these things. Um, we saw the people that we visited, they cried. They said, I wish I had never taken this injection. And they looked at us and they said, I envy you as an unvaccinated person. We don't know whether we'll get ill at some stage, but we know um, that we can get the diseases uh, that we're familiar with and we can uh, look at the warning signals and we uh, can eat healthily, etc. But this is all um, turned upside down with those people because they don't know what uh, to look out for. And you have to look after yourself and you have to make this decision. Um, um, you have to reason uh, about this very well. You have to think about whether we can live with this. It's not just a, a short injection. It's so much that comes after it. It's necessary to be very careful here. And that is something that you uh, need to do um, on the basis of selfishness even, uh, to be extra careful and uh, don't allow yourselves to be uh, pressurized there. And you can always say, um, maybe uh, three months down the line, people tell me, like those people said, I wish I had stood fast, um, if it were, and if, I wish I hadn't bowed to the pressure and, and looked at what can I do differently. We do make mistakes in our lives. We uh, again and again do harmful things. Sometimes we are afraid and we note afterwards 
that this may lead to cancer. Many people smoked for many years. They know that this could cause cancer and stopped and still are afraid for a while. There's lots of things that can create fear in us, but we shouldn't strengthen the fear in the people. We should say, you were lucky that you didn't get it. It's risky, yes, but you were lucky that you didn't get it. You have to be vigilant and know the symptoms, but I think um, the uh, tone should be that those who have been vaccinated, that we don't create fear in them, but on the contrary, say, you're lucky and be happy you're not the ones who have had uh, massive damage. Uh, there are some. But, um, well, if you tell yourself, uh, I've been lucky, then maybe you might be lucky with the next one, with a booster. So we have to realize that, that this is dangerous and that you can't go along with this play anymore. But you shouldn't go along with it anymore. And, of course, you're right. I'm just saying this this fear that can result, even if I take the third injection, we should uh, keep this uh, keep an eye on this. But the people who have taken this step already will have to find ways and means for them to deal with these fears that may um, arise. And uh, the fear can decrease if we put everything together in terms of information and findings that we have of how we can help people and then people may come out as well saying that well i have problems and then they can uh, talk to their uh, doctors and see what can help what um, may not help because the fear may be uh, ended if you can do something about it i think this metaphor of the russian roulette is something very good you can say yes it is a hazard i'd rather not carry on playing but i was lucky so far I think this is uh, a good image here. Uh, I want to make a comment on an email I just got. Somebody is thinking a lot about the things they've been through, a lot of things that they don't uh, get the shot. They have uh, lost relationships and the family is broken up. But he thought and didn't uh, dare to write it. He um, says he had to force himself um, asking can the injection have something that uh, creates trust in the people uh, if we look at uh, psychopharmaca if somebody got one injection that they are psychology psychologically changed uh, that it's not just the psychological effect that they have been abused once and now I don't uh, dare to stand up but there may be some pharmacological uh, substance in it but um, he says I don't want to uh, be a conspiracy finish don't tell anybody I do say so because I understand the Psycho, the, the psychological stress that the people are under here. It's uh, gruesome to see what thoughts people come up with. Um, we have to uh, accept this and listen to it and have to say that we have to make life as good as we can. And the positive points must be stressed and the negative points must be dismissed with all consequence and very straight. May I contradict you? I would like to be realistic and look at uh, the positive. And fear has a function as well to play. It's a warning signal for people. And if you're afraid of the injection, then you have a healthy instinct that keeps you from uh, accepted. Uh, we shouldn't undermine this. 
I uh, see my uh, task in informing people about the medical side effects, and then everybody can take their own decision. Um, they might say, oh, I think it's harmless, and I'll be healthy, and I'll take it, or whether they maybe then think about it and decide against it, even if they have short-term disadvantages. <clears throat> There's this colleague from Vienna, uh, I think his name was Sigmund Freud, who said the difference between fear and being scared, you can be scared of something, um, that's a risk you don't want to take, and fear or dread is something that you can't uh, get away from and uh, that leads to paralyzation so that's something that one needs to distinguish um, using your uh, rationale is good to handle this well it takes you to psychoanalysis uh, and Sigmund Freud also said the voice of reason is uh, right and we should reinforce it I think it was yesterday or the day before yesterday. Yesterday was we had a discussion in our party, De Basis, asking exactly this question: How can we take care of these people who expect from us? We are the only ones who are critical of the system as a party. How can we do that? Can we do that by explaining how hazardous it is, or would that lead to panic and dread? Um, I think we have to put the cards on the table. It can't be the case that now we kind of uh, try to uh, calm this down. I um, provokedly said, okay, okay, you can test it. Uh, no, it can't be the case. We really have, uh, I don't, do you want to say that that way, but uh, of course, it's not about creating panic, but it is important to make sure that the people are afraid of the shot, because only that will lead them to ask, is that a fact or is that only an impression that I've got? Well, that they're afraid of the um, injection, yes, but not. Um, they shouldn't have dreaded. Um, if they are being betrayed, and um, if you're betrayed, you don't get, have fear, you get angry. Maybe. This morning I met someone in the train who is an example of uh, Professor Misovitz had said. She is isolated in her own family, also in her profession, but a very vivid person. And I know someone who does the same job as she does and said, look, I think I'm going to connect you two. And at that point, we discussed a little. It was clear the fact that you're not isolated, that there is someone else you can talk to, possibly not only one, a couple of more, is reviving and that starts a positive development 
This is a very vivid person, but she was quite down because she was completely isolated. Her own son wanted to send her to psychiatry. Absurd, absolutely. But I do think that's what this is going to be all about. That, uh, to helping the people who are able to see what's going on, give them the support that they need at the same time. And I think the most important support that they need, besides the fact that we have to have these competency centers, which will probably only be done with the uh, practice doctors, uh, it's the human support, the connection to people that you can talk to without uh, being called an Nazi or right-wing extremist. I think that's half the way. But I think a lot of things are happening here, and we um, put them into contact, put these people into contact with uh, doctors, and they had an anchor there because uh, with their own doctors they had um, uh, not made any progress, um, and they told him, oh, well, he's just imagining things. And that helped them a lot. And uh, we also connected them with each other, and that was great. Um, they have started organizing in groups, but uh, to connect them in other forms as well. And that generates a lot of strength, and I think that's very important. And Wolfgang is right, of course, if he says that fear itself makes you ill, and if you um, promote fear and um, you believe that um, oh, I'll have a growth on my um, um, on my arm or something, then of course that will make you ill. But of course it's important to see uh, the the risks um, realistically, but not to um, exaggerate it either. And uh, many told us that I had a, a poor. Uh, gut feeling, even in the uh, vaccination center, we were taken through it like cattle. I felt like I wasn't uh, perceived as a human being. I was taken to a uh, factory. Um, I didn't really want this. Now we can only tell people, listen to your gut feeling, it's right. We were taught this. Whenever we don't know what to do, we go to a professional. And uh, we have to acknowledge that there is no professionals anymore that helps us, who help us. The professionals are professionals because they want to make money with what they do and not to help us. And there's many doctors um, that uh, take over the responsibility, that don't take the responsibility. It's not enough to go to a doctor. You are responsible for your own health. You have to look at yourself. And in all corrupt countries, uh, that's the typical characteristics that life gets difficult that you can't depend on policies on the police that you can't depend on the official bodies you always have to be careful that you're not uh, frauded and that's why um, this kind of society is weak and not powerful and can't do anything and uh, society like in Scandinavia when it was possible uh, to rely on each other people weren't afraid to get uh, burglars and so on they could leave the doors open. Some people say it's boring, but I think uh, life is get will get too complex if you don't trust anyone. If you can't even trust your own doctor who has sworn the Hippocratical Oath and so on, their life gets very, very complicated. And we have to agree as uh, that life is has become more complicated. And we have to find more and different ways to create trust in each other, that we don't have to do everything our own. 
that we can rely on others. And probably we have to start in small spaces with that and um, building back the trust. The trust in the big yeah, organizations completely. has been completely lost. Um, getting back to fear and dread, as Professor Desmond told us, the most important part or the most important basis for the successful implementation of this illusory pandemic is what he called free-floating anxiety. So the feeling which has been artificially triggered in a large part of society that you're very uncertain and have fears that you can't put your finger on, you can't um, put your um, finger on it, but that's not what, it, what uh, this is all about. We want to make it clear that uh, there are reasons to uh, be afraid, and when you know what it's all about, it's not free-floating anymore, and it can't be displaced by something else anymore, but then you know what you what you have to do. And I find this orientation to be very important, and uh, Professor Burkhardt is um, uh, asking for the floor again. <laughs> Professor Burkhardt, you have, it. you have the floor. Well, I just wanted to say that uh, since I have published my results, I am strongly exposed in the f respect that I get hundreds of, of phone calls of um, people who are affected, most of them already vaccinated, desperate uh, to ask uh, help. Of course, I can't help uh, apart from saying, don't take the booster shot. But what I noted is that the most frequent statement that I hear, and many, many, many of the people called me said this, um, you can't talk to the doctors. That is uh, a, for me, un incredible situation that you can't talk to the doctors. They just say it has, doesn't have to do with the vaccination, it can't have, and uh, it's uh, disastrous. And if I read in a new paper, newspaper that our president said some uh, radical people wanted to disturb the democratical trust well who did that in the first place it's those people who uh, talk about the horror scenarios that is from uh, unbelievable and uh, not understandable for me well dear uh, uh, president leave the paint away, give people the chance to see the truth. You have been betraying us, you continue to betray us, now go back and make way for new trust, new honesty. What's happening here is only sad and it's embarrassing if the president of this country suddenly pretends like there was something like democracy around here. 
Well, it is embarrassing. We're definitely out of democracy. With a bit of luck, we are still in a transition. But at many cases, we silly have to see, except if you close your eyes, that we are moving towards a fascistoid society, at least. And that means we have to fight back. And that's what's happening. And we can be glad that we see this. It's not going to be stopped. Professor Mislewitz is saying so. We are not stopping. We won't stop. And I think that is crucial that the other side sees it. We are decided. It's nice to see that even in the police force, resistance is growing. At the end of the day, um, um, they are the ones who can uh, exercise violence, exert violence, and uh, that is something you uh, have reason to fear. But the police are, of course, um, dependent. They have been installed by um, um, the government, and if the government is corrupt and um, um, that is uh, something that um, uh, makes us hopeful that the police start rege uh, rejecting this, resisting this, that um, orders to shoot are not exercised, that people are not arrested upon order. That is right. That's hopeful. The order to shoot is the right word. Um, that's the same thing that happened at the wall. And there are some people, actually each of one should have this uh, compass of good and bad, but um, there are some, and unfortunately those are the ones who are in power, they are criminals, simple criminals. There's no other way to title them. And they don't have this compass, but we have to recall that uh, the Third Reich ended with the Nuremberg process, and there was the medical process, and the main um, um, the main orders, and it was said that they only followed the orders. That's not true, and that's the difference in natural law. We don't need rules. If you get an order to kill that little girl, it's not right. If you don't know that, you are done with. Well, it's not as easy as back then. Um, we don't have the big victor who organizes the um, um, law uh, cases. So we have to win out first. We live in a society with people who we love and who are on the side of these criminals, who allow these criminals to perpetrate these crimes. So there's a huge um, number of people involved. There's a soup of criminals and uh, resistors um, that we live in. And we will have to admit we all failed. How could we allow this to happen, all of us? No, actually, I, I disagree. There may be, I wouldn't say so. I don't have to uh, assume that if I live in a country where the Constitution has the core of the human rights, I don't have to assume that there is tricks and lies going on everywhere. But the history shows not in this monstrosity. Well, armaments, steals, etc. I think I think that's too much. 
We uh, saw it on uh, on TV and didn't take it seriously. Yeah, but then you have to say you have to do again with away with fraud, saying that if you are frauded, then uh, you have to look it out for yourself. Um, it's too monstrous. I always knew that. Uh, uh, that the uh, legal system is um, corrupt. Um, I knew this. Maybe there's 20% of the people who don't uh, are who are. Um, I didn't think it went that far. We were at Transparency, uh, Wolfgang, but and we were in there. At the top is pure corruption. Who would know that? We knew when this corruption was um, imposed. Well, you can say a lot about this, but of course you can say we all could have been more attentive and vigilant, but we all have a life to live. You have children, you have dogs, you have whatever, and you are kept busy. And not everyone can uh, be vigilant all the time. It's great that so many uh, people did so at an early time by you as well, starting to look at what's going on and uh, finding out. But I don't think you can just do this as a general accusation. If I feel guilty in this, where I, I myself have, have been, I, I, I um, start um, I get I this this holds my hands down. We we could talk of um, laziness as well. When it will become evident for all who is good or evil, the masks will all fall and all of us on this side of the fence took a decision, many others maybe some of the forty percent will have to take it. Everybody will have to take a decision. And those who wind up on the wrong side of the fence won't be able to come back to cross over. There will be no uh, forgive, uh, forgiveness and our Minister of Health or the federal president, there will be no chance of excuse, no fucking chance there done. Well, talking about the trust in the doctors, there are some doctors who boast saying that they have uh, vaccinated 2,000 children. This guy will have to explain to the parents who ask him what happened. You, doctor, told me this is good to do. They will have to take responsibility against the uh, the uh, sadness of the people. And that's worse than any lawsuit. Um, um, I personally know one doctor who vaccinated his entire family, his former wife, his three children. I don't know what he'll do when he realizes what he did. And he will realize that all those people will realize this. Oh. All right. Well, then, um, Professor Mislevitz has also made a contribution as a psychotherapist. Now, that was very important that you should have given us this point as well. Thank you very much. Is there anything else you would like to tell us? Well, I would say you don't need a psycho. Uh, a psychotherapist. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm happy to hear this. All right, thank you very much and have a nice weekend. Stay uh, stand fast and I have no doubt, really. <clears throat> well, thank you. We have a change of scene now and we will now move on to a person who we've heard before, uh, Thomas Rupa, a media critic and book author who lives in Russia and runs the web blog anti-spiegel.ru. 
He wrote books, um, uh, for instance, Dependent Employment, How Germany's Leading Politicians Act in the Interest of the Truly Powerful. Uh, that's from 2021, or uh, the most recent one, Inside Corona, the Pandemic, the Network and the Backers, 2022. He works with an analysis program of large data sets provided to him. Result, and that's really interesting now, not fully surprising, but really interesting. The pandemic has been prepared in several phases. Active preparation phase um, began in about 2016-17. Backers organized conferences and, for example, placed their own people as advisors in key government positions. These organizers earn hundreds of billions of dollars from vaccines, among other things. Data also show what the overarching goals are and how the pandemic helps achieve those goals. Well, I'm really curious to hear this, Mr. Rupa. Hello and have a good day. Hello. Hello. Tell us what's going on, um, what's behind the data sets that you have analyzed? Well, what do you mean with agenda? Well, it's an agenda that's been rolled out here in um, some sections. I tried to read it out um, from what Corbyn prepared for us. I thought all the time, well, that would also match my uh, opening statement in the grand jury proceeding, even if I uh, certainly will learn a bit more. We saw a data set like that. It has to be the same uh, you saw. Um, um, and I thought, shit, that's um, nobody can understand this. Way too much I, effort. I did think so as well, but you can learn it. Um, I got someone who contacted me. He showed me that. I thought he crazy guy when he said it was all organized. And then I um, was um, in a newspaper, and uh, that is really. Um, and talking about the NGOs, I knew who was doing with what, with whom, and I say, okay, I'll give you that and show me what you can do. And when you press the button and uh, process and build up this, uh, the connections that I used months to establish, I thought things are interesting. And I was, took a long time to understand this, and I got the access and now at least I'm good enough to understand it as a user. If you've got that software, you can look at that. There's links. Uh, you can see, is it a payment? You immediately see what it is. And then we started to make a book from this. So this means the pictures, the images, I can show you an example in a minute. Um, Link by link, connection by connection, organization by organization, I went through this and look what's behind that. Because one is to collect the data, but the uh, software takes the um, data from the website, whatever, who works there, who are the people connected to, who's paid money to, and so on. And it has to sort out everything that is not pandemic. Uh, a, a basic school program in Oklahoma may be good, but not to do with pandemic. You have to check what is really part of the story and what not. That was quite a lot of work, and that led to the book. 
Well, I, well, we are really bombarded with emails and text messages. I always find it frustrating to get an email with uh, one line uh, saying this is probably interesting and that there's 20 attachments with 30 million pages. You can't read through all that. So I hope, uh, always keep hoping that uh, people tell me um, the attachments are about the following and you can find the most important things on such and such a page or um, in a video uh, at such and such a point. And that was not the case with this uh, host of information that I saw, and you got this with the program. No, the person did that. He just wrote an email said, look, I've got something, and I thought that's all crazy stuff. And as I said, I took five hours on Zoom. He showed me how it worked, and I could check it because I was in the topic, um, foundations and power. Um, and when we went as far as uh, writing a book, uh, we met in May and we started um, with the book in September only because setting up all that data to make it comprehensible in the book, how do I get that in a concept? That was the challenge. And we only got the, cha the final idea in September and I had the software. I was told how to use these graphics, how to in check them, and you have that, then it's really, since from end of September to end of November, I didn't do anything else. I just sat there and wrote and researched and wrote. And we kicked things out. There was things in the data 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 looked like they were in the pandemics, and it wasn't the case. Um, so people get money from other people, but uh, for different causes. That was a very interesting thing. So what was the upshot? Uh, can, can we give an example of some connection there so it becomes more plastic? Maybe I'll, I'll do it differently. We have talked to many, many people who also um, some of them investigative journalists like Whitney Webb or Matthew Errett or James Corbett, but some people who um, were present in some of what I would call a plan. Uh, James Bush, for example, who did that Operation Dark Winter 20 years ago. That looks quite as if that is quite concretely of what we are looking at now. Not enough, but 10 years later, there was this lockstep uh, uh, Rockefeller Foundation approach. And then 2019, I think, October, the event 201, very obvious. Well, can I can I uh, interject there? Yes, um, go ahead. I'll um, for a for a good reason. Um, the point is, and I like what Paul Schreiber did. He uh, put shed light on uh, good aspects, but the people who good work can only uh, bring light to some aspects. But the entire network can only be uh, provided by the soft, uh, software. Uh, we could see um, a lot of things reflected that we can read with other journalists who've done who've done great work. Um, but the overall picture, great picture, that is something that uh, can we uh, we can only see. And uh, let me get back to uh, what you mentioned, Dark Winter. It doesn't seem to have anything to do with this. 
all these pandemic uh, games um, pre-2009, there was Dark Winter, Atlantic Storm, but it was all about bioweapons attacks. That was the time after 9-11, where um, Islam was supposed to be built up as the big enemy, um, and they needed terrorists as enemies, and the uh, joke is, these people didn't continue with um, scenarios anymore because the interesting thing is the scenarios were the same as Dark Winter. What was the last one? Atlantic Storm was in 2005 and Dark Winter was in 2001. And then in 2017, new scenarios came along. And if you look at the scenarios and the results from 2017 to 2019, there were uh, seven seven uh, scenarios, so 12 years, nothing, and then seven within two years. And this lockstep paper that you mentioned needs to be read uh, very well. We don't believe that this was a, um, a preparation of the pandemic. Uh, according to what we um, have found out is that the um, pharmaceutical industry wanted to use the swine flu for mass vaccinations but they failed. Um, they thought that uh, if the um, media um, spread a panic, then that's enough, but people didn't want to get vaccinated and the whole thing fell flat. And then after that, we saw a second uh, phase. So phase one, according to our theory, is pre-swine uh, flu and phase two is um, post-2016, where they analyzed why did the swine flu uh, uh, fail. Then they uh, established a lobby organization of the pharmaceutical industry and people who are directly paid uh, by them. And they started in conferences um, generally about vaccination, about tuberculosis, etc. But in the conferences, they spoke about the swine flu and why nobody got vaccinated there. And they were thinking about it. And it was said, all right, conviction is not enough, i.e., media reports. Uh, people need to feel it. So they uh, came up with the notion of lockdowns, etc. And in this phase, I uh, see uh, the lockstep paper, that's 2016, if I remember right, because lockstep uh, doesn't go through one scenario saying um, that's the way it will be. It goes through four scenarios. It was beginning of the brainstorming. Uh, four scenarios of how do we handle pand uh, pandemics. And they decided on lockstep, the, the uh, tough response, and there are three different uh, variants. So that's, in our view, the beginning of the um, brainstorm phase. That's my um, suggestion. And then the brainstorming phase, um, error analysis phase, and then 2016, 2017, they uh, moved on and said, okay, we know what to do. And then a lot of money started flowing. Then in 2017, the um, scenario started, a total of seven um, uh, with all the um, conferences, analysis, then CT was established. Then in 2017, all of a sudden, um, the direction focused, uh, shifted towards pandemic. And a lot of things started where they really started uh, working. And that's when they started placing people in the right positions. When I started reporting about this project, that was in uh, September 2021. I wrote two articles about it, what we have here, just to give you a, a few examples. And one. Uh, exam one paper I uh, mentioned Peter Pyatt and I can show you what this looks like in the software I have to share my screen then where is this 
Share screen. Right, I'll show you. That is what it looks like. Where is it? That's what it looks like. So this is uh, what the software makes of one person. We can't see anything yet. <clears throat> well, that's bad. It says um, that I am... Um, my uh, screen is being shared. Well, I left it and I'll, I'll call it up again. Can you see it now? So we have uh, Peter Pite here and we have Bill Gates at the top. Uh, he provides funding. So Peter Pite uh, receives money from Bill Gates and where is he involved as a uh, consultant, whatever, at the city um, uh, World's um, Economic Forum, then the robot RKI. He is a consultant to uh, the EU Commission um, on COVID-19, etc., etc. So Novartis Foundation, also interesting is Heidi Larsen, that's his wife who started the uh, vaccine confidence uh, uh, program, uh, who said that uh, the swine flu uh, didn't uh, work. And he is also in the London School of Hygiene and Medicine. And this school got 185 million euro from Bill Gates and others. So he is dependent on Bill Gates, his wife as well. And um, his wife thinks about how um, can we vaccinate everybody with the next pandemic. So the uh, pandemic starts and Peter Pyle uh, becomes um, heads uh, advisor to von der Leyen, is in CEPI, etc., etc. So um, they all say, well, we don't take decisions. We only do what the advisors tell us. Well, take a look at who the advisors are. What's his training? He's a virologist. He's the uh, discoverer of the uh, Ebola virus, the co-discoverer, um, back in 1975. He was on the UNAIDS uh, program where he uh, met Heidi Larson and married her. Uh, we know that the UNAIDS program is a um, um, training academy uh, for these kinds of people. So if you have 20 people and Peter, uh, Peter Pyle is not the uh, big, uh, biggest fish, and everybody is in 10 organizations and the boards, um, advisory, etc. Then you have placed your people um, such that the organizations implement what you want them to do, and that's what's happening. And um, this book has 500 sources, Mr. X and myself. And we are serious about this. This was so gruesome, this work, that uh, we'd be the happiest people in the world if somebody disproved us, proved us wrong. Please prove us wrong. Uh, show about three, four hundred uh, sources um, that we misunderstood them. We have 500 sources. Prove us wrong. We'd be the happiest people in the world if we found that what we found out there is wrong. And this is consistent we have no end of examples and i can uh, show the best uh, networked uh, best connected woman is margaret hamburg so we have a lot of these things these names I, i'm hearing these peter pyatt for the first time i haven't screened him miss hamburg neither nor his wife so these are the people 
who have been placed by others, and they are the ones who do the work, who do the networking, and who probably are the ones that, if that's right, um, they don't do that on their own behalf, but uh, they are linked up in the decision-making structures, but they are the ones that keep the strings together and uh, do the agreements, keep the contact. Is that right? No, 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 no. it's entirely differently. You're Bill Gates and you have people who you pay and they do what you want. And you place them as consultants. And now you have to ask yourself, how come Ms. von der Leyen comes up with the notion in May 2021 uh, uh, to buy Pfizer only in just 1.8 billion uh, doses and nothing else, when uh, Mr. Pyle is paid by uh, Bill Gates, who is a strategic investor with BioNTech and Pfizer. I don't know if you knew that, but Bill Gates is a strategic investor. Well, it's well known, right? He is a uh, strategic investor with both companies. He earns a lot of money with uh, all these vaccinations. And he finances this uh, London School of Medicine with $185 million. And now, unfortunately, the stream uh, is collapsing. The interpreters can't hear anything anymore. Now it's back. So these are people who work in NGOs. Bill Gates is not the most important one. There are others as well. He's the most important, but there's others as well. So they're uh, connected. They are paid by these people. And they are consultants uh, to governments. And they uh, tell the governments what to do. This is uh, the right vaccine, etc., etc. And is Bill Gates also in AstraZeneca and Moderna in other connections? Not with AstraZeneca, they've been kicked out as well. Uh, not with Moderna either. So um, Bill Gates seems to publish all his uh, participations, but you have to uh, wonder why Pfizer and BioNTech are hyped like that um, when Moderna uh, went out, um, uh, went out of um, shelf life. Uh, nobody wanted to have them last year. Uh, and then Bill Gates has paid the media um, $250 million to write what he wants them. That's uh, not surprising that the media uh, badmouth the um, uh, vaccines that Bill Gates doesn't earn anything with. What about other people who are consultants as well? For example, Drosten is a consultant of the EU and von der Leyen as well. Does he play a similar role? We couldn't find um, uh, Drosten sitting in a foundation, but he's in many organizations where he uh, talks to the same people, so he's connected with them. Uh, you probably know about this thing, uh, whether the virus comes from Wuhan or not. And at the beginning of the pandemic in February or March of 2020, there was the first letter uh, published in The Lancet where scientists uh, declared solidarity with the scientists from uh, Wuhan that this couldn't be an escapee from um, So that's the people labs. who were involved in the laboratory. Yes, um, that's a different topic. But he also spoke about, uh, wrote about uh, Drossen and uh, Jeremy Farrar, uh, one of the uh, Welcome Trust, um, very importantly involved in the uh, preparation of the pandemic. So Mr. Drossen is well connected, or the phone uh, conversation that um, happened in February 2020. Laboratories, KP or not, uh, Farad, Ross, and Fauci, all of them uh, spoke together. It's a 
a network and we uh, can't prove what's being paid in the foundations or if he's paid by the foundations, but he knows them. Looking at Moderna, for example, it is um, astonishing that in this short time, um, the so-called vaccines could be developed. Now, this doesn't only apply for Pfizer, but for three other candidates as well who were just as fast. That's quite incredible. And is it the case that they have no lobby? How do they get there? Is that just uh, uh, the sideline figures or just who jumped on the train or what happened? Or was it an issue of pushing the mRNA vaccines from the beginning? That is the question. That's why AstraZeneca was kicked out. We assume the following, the mRNA, um, which is Bill Gates, I think, at the CP2017 and the uh, Davos Forum, they uh, he, um, promoted mRNA at the time already. It's not so much known that there was a conference panel in the Merkin Institute, October 19, it's available as a video on the stage Fauci and Margaret Hamburger and in this uh, discussion it was requested to have an, a universal uh, flu vaccine and the question uh, the request was for mRNA saying the system um, of um, approval has to be blown. Yeah, I've heard about that. So, um, these are the people on the path. Fauci loves about that, who is um, responsible for that. He's great about the idea of uh, boosting the system. And Ms. Hamburg as well, who is director of another RMA uh, company, paid by Gilt by Gates in many key positions, and they did exactly that. With the pandemic, they blew the earth or approval system because they used by using the emergency approval. It's just parallel to 201, by the way. So, Margaret Hamburg um, um, couldn't go to 201. She had to go to the World Institute. I can show you how she's linked. I can show you her data. This is what she looks like. We've got her here at the top, and where she is associated. That's where she is linked, and that's not even complete. So she, she's director of Garvey, director of CP, where's CP down here, COVID Collaborative, CP. She's in the Wellcome Trust the second biggest uh, health uh, fun, uh, foundation after Bill Gates, a name to remember. And she was in all of these. The Transatlantic uh, Council relations, Dark Winter, she played a role. All of this, Cladix, also pandemic exercise. So in all of these, she played a role. And she was on the stage um, promoting mRNA vaccines, telling us that we got to use these. What does that mean at the end of the day if uh, Bill Gates obviously plays a bigger role than many of us believed? <coughs> does it mean he's one of the cornerstones of what's happening here? Yes. <coughs> We've seen in the national health system, international, you can't get around Bill Gates. He bought himself into every universities. Is it even South Korea? 
So in the national health system, you can't get a decision against Gates. No way. I want to show you something else. If you work manually, you can do what we did. You can look at the foundation, uh, Bill Gates Foundation and look at the links and so on. What you can't do is the um, promotion programs. Um, they have got over 30,000. You can't manage that manually. Well, how can you afford this? is unbelievable. Well, you can look at it. There's all the sponsorships. You can go Bill Gates Foundations. Well, um, I realize that, but the dimension is unbelievable. 31,000 is unbelievable. Do other people put money in that through him? I can't imagine he's all alone in that. Oh, yes, it is. he does. He's alone. It's worthwhile for him. It's it's very uh, lucrative. Well, we got a lockstep. Where does that from? Yes, of course. But uh, let me call this one up. Um, I would like to show it to you very briefly, just so that I just want to show you uh, realize that I'm not talking the bullshit here. This is the Bill Gates Foundation now, uh, the grant database. What he has paid out, and we can see. 30,902 programs, what he's sponsored. That's what he's done since the foundation has been conceived. And it's worth a while for him. The principle is quite simple. Let me explain it with the example of COVID. I could use any other example. Uh, there's enough. But uh, COVID is what we're talking about anyway. The EU in May 2020 had held a big sponsorship program uh, when they said we'll collect billions now to um, um, fight COVID and the media were over the top because uh, Bill Gates contributed 100 million, the EU uh, collected 7.7 .7 million billion. At the end, it was more than 20 billion because there were subsequent follow-up events. And what happened then? The EU and I uh, showed it in the in the book. It all um, gives the uh, sources. Then the EU uh, published reports about 4 billion uh, of these 20 billion, and the money uh, went to five programs, um, um, and I'll speak about four of them. The fifth is not important. So the EU uh, went uh, with EU uh, tax uh, money, uh, billions of euro, um, and, and Bill Gates gives 100 million, is uh, celebrated for us. Who gets it? SIPI, founded, controlled by Bill Gates. Gavi, uh, established, controlled by Bill Gates. Find an NGO that looks at different things, uh, diagnostic issues, but largely paid by Bill Gates, controlled by him as well. World Health Organization, who is the biggest world, um, uh, sponsor of the World Health Organization? Oh, Bill Gates again. All right. That's where the money went. They could have gone it, uh, given it directly to Bill Gates. It all went to programs controlled by Bill Gates. And then what happens is another example. September 20, the Bill Gates Foundation um, announces early at the uh, September Bill Gates Foundation uh, will uh, become a strategic investor with uh, for companies that make um, test kits, um, Abbott and uh, Bio something. Three weeks later, the EU, uh, EU um, announces that um, a program has been launched to um, make 200 million test kits available to third world countries. Uh, free of charge. Partners in the program, Bill Gates, 
So it goes to the World Health Organization. The money is raised by the EU. It goes to the World Health Organization, and it, uh, the World Health Organization um, forwards it to uh, a foundation by uh, Bill Gates. So Bill Gates contributed 100 million euro, and he uh, basically gets 10, 20 billion in return. So this is just his little money box playing the philanthropic role, and then the money comes back, rolls back. So, a massive return on investment, isn't it? Yes. yes, of course. You can take a look at all the programs at the Foundation Green Revolution for Africa. A fantastic story. Started 10 years ago, Bill Gates and Rockefeller had the idea that the farmers in Africa uh, need to be supported so they have higher yields and become uh, wealthier and uh, fight hunger. You can't be against it. Um, what did they do? The farmers replace their traditional uh, seeds and they get Monsanto seeds and uh, uh, Bill Gates and Rockefeller are uh, involved in that. So they took a little bit of money and then they uh, collect the money in the first world that um, is used to buy the Monsanto seeds uh, uh, that the farmers in Africa are made dependent on. So it's always the same principle. We have uh, media-effective uh, uh, programs, some um, investment that uh, are uh, praised by the media, and then we get a multiple return. 100 million out, 20 billion back? Is that the numbers? Well, that's the EU aid, but uh, the uh, Green Revolution of, for Africa, um, I don't know the figures by heart now, but it's always the same principle. That is the marketing that he does in order to raise money. And it goes beyond that. If he shares that 20 billion to Gavi, Sevi, whatever. I just forgot one thing. Uh, ACT Accelerator, have I heard of it? Google it. ACT Accelerator, um, um, a program uh, created by the EU for COVID, and uh, Bill Gates had established the uh, ACT program two weeks pre previously, and more money goes there. I forgot that as well. But he uh, created it two weeks prior. So he gets the donations, and then he's also participating in the companies, Biontech, for example. Um, with the government's testing, uh, mandatory testing, then he also makes money with the company. So we're not just looking at the foundation. Precisely. I have to explain it again. The money that goes to CIPI uh, doesn't go to Bill Gates. It's under his control. That's a big difference. So the governments collect the money and give it to an organization controlled by Bill Gates. And then Bill Gates decides where it goes, and then it goes to the companies that he's involved in. Just for the for the viewers, he gets control over the money and then uh, puts it in his own pocket. So once it's with CP and um, Gabi, that doesn't mean that Bill Gates owns it. So what would be the outcome? Either some investments, build-up of production capacities and so on would be done with these companies because the EU money is a support. It's a subsidiary or buying purchase power. It's purchase, purchase power. yeah. Okay. So laboratories, for example, that do their own business order as well. So then they would order from bio and pay for themselves. Well, it's practical that uh, Bill Gates uh, got involved in companies that earn money when uh, 
production facilities are established. So Bill Gates earns uh, at all ends of the pandemic. Um, you can read it. You can read up about it. Um, of course. So Bill Gates sets the command. If he says it's Pfizer, then it's Pfizer. And he just happens to earn money with it. Crazy, crazy. But is he, does he do it alone? Is it the person? There must be people involved. What's his, so the people who uh, work with BlackRock and Vanguard as well, um, participating in BioNTech or whatever structure is, does he decide it himself or is there concrete other people um, working with him at this top decision-making level? Well, there are about five um, foundations like Gates, uh, Welcome is the second, Rockefeller the third, Open Philanthropy is the fourth, NTI number five, and World Economic Forum is number six. That's the six one, uh, ones. And these together, and they split it up against each other. Uh, everybody pays for media. So Bill Gates pays 3.x million every few years to uh, Spiegel and Welcome pay to other media. They split it up. The same goes with uh, for uh, consultants. Consultants don't depend on um, Bill Gates only, but um, Ms. Hamburg also is funded by the Welcome Trust. What's that? What's her business background? She's a physician. I think she's never seen a laboratory from um, uh, inside since she studied. She's also um, kept on list as one of the most powerful, uh, powerful women in the world, but nobody knows about her. We, we have to see that. <clears throat> when we prepared for the grand jury proceeding with our colleagues, we're going to list their names soon. We found that the looking at the pandemic alone is not enough. There's more to it. Amongst others, the crim crimes of the financial mafia, which are to be covered up, uh, because after all what we've heard, there was a decade of exploitation of the world population by the financial mafia and their institutional banks. And this was as excessive that for the first time uh, it killed the Lehman uh, situation that uh, made it perk up, perk up that uh, there is criminals here. Then they tried to uh, do the swine flu to divert uh, attention from that. And now we have points that end of 2019, an implosion was due. That was uh, quite a good match uh, to the plan uh, this time to really make a success of the swine flu. And now following that, <clears throat> or other people who are involved here, uh, who are the, the trust, Gates, Welcome, Rockefeller, WEF, Open Philanthropy, do they use the financial industry or what role, in your view, does the financial industry play in this? Well, the financial industry isn't as important anymore as it uh, used to be. It's about uh, something else, according to what we found out with the book. 
It's about something else. Um, we had 21 NGOs and foundations that we thought that um, prepared this. In the research, we uh, had to eliminate eight. And we all noticed them because there were uh, nodes in this network, and we eliminated because they financed entirely different things altogether. And what's interesting here are two or three uh, interesting ones, is Global Fund and One, who um, are involved in SDGs, UN um, sustainability, uh, sustainability Goals. Um, it matches, if you want to understand, um, um, you can read The Fourth Industrial Revolution by Klaus Schwab. He described very well what he wants. He wants a uh, public-private UN. Uh, in other words, what he wants is that uh, companies have uh, the same voice in the UN as the uh, government. So it's about uh, disemboweling uh, nation states, and that's what it's all about. It's all public-private partnership. Uh, private uh, the, the Gates has the idea of uh, fighting a pandemic, gives 100 million, gets uh, 20 billion in return. But that's not really it, I think. You can see clearly from the original idea of the public partnerships, uh, private-public partnerships, is a um, uh, takeover by, uh, um, by the private companies. That's why we say this. Well, not always. Uh, there were people like Helmut Schmidt and Willy Brandt and some others who surely were able to take their own decisions and uh, um, put um, industries industries back to track if they had gone off the rails. But for some 30 years, is my observation, especially the financial industry is running amok. That's why I left them when I saw German Bank, Deutsche Bank, you can forget that bunch of criminals. Yes, you're right. But the problem is that the uh, public-private partnership was always <coughs> the same direction. It's always about privatization because uh, they claim that the private companies can do uh, better, but um, now we know that if a uh, waterworks is taken over by a private company, then the water 10 years down the line is uh, poorer quality and more expensive. Same goes with um, power. Um, it's all public-private partnerships. So it always means that the private companies, the uh, corporates, get the money. And that's what Schwab um, uh, means. He uh, refers to stakeholders. It sounds better than uh, big business. But that's what it is, and that's where we're headed, and this is massively um, promoted. The financial industry is only a one small element here. So that's what we believe is behind this, because in order to impose all of this, the fourth industrial revolution, as described by uh, Schwab, uh, wouldn't have been possible without the pandemic. That's clear. That's why you quite rightly pointed out the parallel to the event out 201 and that meeting where this was clearly stated they have to uh, blow up the system otherwise we won't be able to do it and that's what happened is oh there's more it's about data protection just uh, remember 2019 if you try to say um, employers have access to the health data of their uh, employees uh, they would have been stoned by the data protection officers. They didn't even ask you uh, if you were uh, pregnant. Now they can do anything. The entire data protection has been um, eliminated. 
and these databases that are being cre uh, created now, it's not only the um, uh, vaccination passes, the uh, wealth register uh, of the EU, that leads to the um, transparent and controllable citizen. And it's about uh, uh, ID 2020, which uh, created the guidelines for the um, uh, vaccination passport. And e the EU is known for doing what um, uh, Pete Pyatt, etc., uh, what Bill Gates um, asked them to do. Well, that's apparent. The question is, is that those institutions that you've mentioned, Welcome, Gates, WEF, and so on, or is there other people behind this? According to what we can see, no. Um, that seems to be it. That uh, there's somebody behind Gates, no. There's a, a clique of oligarchs who control the US. Uh, Rockefeller, Buffett, uh, God knows, um, and there was this uh, Desmond Club um, where they got together. Bill Gates seems to have kicked in the door. Who he's not attached to anyone. Um, uh, so Facebook doesn't have its own agenda, it seems. Or Elon Musk, uh, he has earned a lot of money. He doesn't have his own agenda though. But Gates and Rockefeller and Ted Turner, they have their own agenda. And they uh, get together as good club, and Ted Turner is NTI, and NTI is one of our organizations there. We believe that these are the people who control and who are not controlled by anyone. So is there indication that possibly the English royals, the Vatican, play a role? That's I wouldn't rule it out, but I don't see them as members. Now, again, what did we do? We looked, and I might have to explain this, we looked at, on the one hand, who did what before the pandemic, and it only becomes interesting when we look at the pandemic uh, preparation. There's nothing uh, evil about it. Every um, company has a fire drill once a year, and that doesn't mean they'll set their house on fire. Um, if you prepare for a pandemic, uh, that's not a bad thing, What's uh, that it's a bad thing. You can only see when the pandemic comes around and that the people who ran all these pandemic uh, preparation meetings, exercises, etc., who promoted this with, with a lot of money, who placed the right people into um, crucial positions um, so that the money goes their way, then we have a chain and it becomes uh, apparent. We've seen that the flow of money and the consultants are um, promoted by these six, um, five, six different NGOs. We saw nothing from Russia, China, Congo, whatever. It's all things that came from the US with two uh, exceptions. Um, Welcome Trust is London, Schwab is uh, Switzerland, the rest is US. That's where the money comes from, the, where the consultants are paid, where the consultants are installed. You have to see who became consultant under um, uh, Biden. Uh, there were all COVID uh, consultants who were with the NGOs previously. They worked for NTI and Open Philanthropy. They started uh, writing down the COVID measures in February, and a month later, they were the government consultants, the government, not the uh, consultants, the members in uh, uh, in ministry who implemented this. 
<coughs> so they determined uh, the guidelines and then implemented them a month later because they were uh, installed by Biden. What's this all about? What's the overarching objective? Of course, one thing is moving massive amount of assets from uh, the top, uh, bottom to the top, collecting data, full control. Is it also about reduction, reducing the population, or is that only a couple of individuals who want to make use of the pandemic in that respect? Well, we referred to facts in the book. We don't speculate. We show the facts based on prevalent sources, uh, because I, I wrote it together with his informer. No. We can see what the programs uh, promote. We can see that uh, all of these people have spoken positively about uh, population reduction, um, speaking uh, negatively about overpopulation. We can expect them to uh, plan this, but we can only speculate about what they're doing uh, when. Uh, we don't. Uh, we can't expect the vaccine to kill everybody uh, overnight now. Maybe they're not that stupid, but if it's right what Mike Eden and his team found out looking at the batch numbers, then it looks like uh, they're looking for a dosage which is just as good as to work but not um, alert the people. It doesn't have to be lethal. Don't forget one thing. mRNA vaccines, technology that was discovered in 1990, Unfortunately, now the um, sound um, is not being transmitted anymore. But within 30 years, they were never able to create a, uh, an mRNA vaccine. I was just interrupted when you talked about the Pentagon and the origin of the mRNA development. Could you repeat that? Yes, the Pentagon. Uh, via DARPA, that's uh, the Pentagon Authority, supported mRNA research as early as 2012 and um, directly by payments to Moderna and Pfizer. But that's probably known. What I want to say is that there was ne has never been a, an, an mRNA product licensed, uh, approved for use on um, people. Uh, I don't think that they're uh, testing how can we kill people. I think they're doing fundamental research. They're trying to uh, create co um, control groups. They want to see what does it do because they've never used it in the past. They don't know what it what it achieves. And if we look at uh, um, Bill Gates, the, the guidelines uh, developed uh, on the information that the a vaccination passes need to include is the batch number, so you can trace back which batch it was. I don't think that they're testing how can we kill people. I think they want to find out what do we have here. They don't have the information. <clears throat> doesn't look very blind. What Mike Eden showed us was try trials in the dosage 3,000 lots, uh, uh, two and a half thousand. It's not just basic research. And as we've seen, it wasn't only in the US and other countries that uh, also got these uh, charges, batch numbers, lot numbers, Denmark and Sweden, for example, could found out that the same happened in their country. So um, if you combine this, however, with the openly discussed wishes by Klaus Schwab to reduce the population, 
Uh, Bill Gates has said this a couple of times already, that this is one of his goals, then I do think that we at least have to fear that it goes far beyond the controlling of the population with the help of the passport and the digital currency and beyond the uh, reallocation of assets to the few super rich who have just uh, joined up here. I somehow can't get around that this is openly propagated that this is about production of the population. That's true. It's just a question about the speed. Let me repeat again. The book is fact-based, and we're now speculating. And my informer and myself don't believe that um, killing people fast, because if people notice that they're being killed by the uh, injection, then, um, of course, people will uh, riot, of course. Um, that's not what they need. Um, I um, have an assumption. It's only an assumption now. Do you know what... Um, the fight against malaria has to do with COVID-19. Well, we found out about it, say, in our work. All our specialists, all our NGOs are uh, deeply involved in financing uh, the fight against malaria. And the program found out about this. And I looked at these different uh, sponsorship programs, and you find the same uh, term again and again. And again, it's the gene drive. Gene drive is a technology. It's genetic uh, engineering. It's genetic manipulation. It's about the following. When two um, uh, organisms made, uh, the um, likelihood of passing on a gene uh, to the next generation is 50-50. And with uh, uh, genetic manipulation, you can increase this probability to 100. And you can't do that with people. Um, you can't do the research at universities. They'd stone you if you do that. But if you do it uh, in the context of malaria, then you can do it because you want to drive out the female tsetse um, fly to drive out uh, malaria. And that was massively uh, supported by our friends now. And then Don um, in the wild in Africa in 2021, uh, the um, report is we managed uh, to make a population collapse with these t uh, this technology. And if you know that the people who finance gene drive in uh, with malaria are the same who finance um, uh, the fight of COVID, um, um, are uh, now meeting about um, uh, about the topic of how can we. Uh, modify the human genome, and uh, this is not a joke. There's a list of participants. There are conferences like this. This is something you can read up on the uh, website of WHO. Again, um, our Ms. Hamburg is involved. So, so the same people who finance uh, the gene drive with the malaria fly, uh, they have the same. Uh, they are involved in the same project now. It's not a but joke. That takes us right into eugenics. Yeah, and that takes me to the point. Mr. Schwab, uh, Ms. Uh, Bill Gates, a transhumanist, that's of course obvious. Now, what could we imagine that they're planning to do? 
What yeah. could they do? I'm speculating here again. This is really speculation only now. The book is based on facts. I'm speculating on the basis of these facts now. Now, let's imagine you uh, in the future in, include something into the uh, vaccines, gene drive technology that ensures that the next generation of people, uh, of men or women, is completely infertile. Then you can see what the vaccination uh, did 20, 25 years down the ro uh, road, and the collateral damage we have now with the myocarditis, etc. well, tough luck. But it's not about uh, killing people outright, no. So I think that the batch aspect um, is really test what does this thing do, and um, not about uh, lethal dosages, but um, that's only speculation. You may be as right as I may be. But that's if you know these things. And I um, looked at it in the book. Um, it's always the same people, and the sources are there. It's on the website of WHO. You can all read it up. Is that only about infertility? Or would that also be about uh, inventing new characteristics, breeding new characteristics, that we can live with less oxygen or whatever? Um, soldiers have no, um, no no sense of pain. All the things that uh, the Nazis were working on and that went also to the U.S. later on. Well, I don't want to speculate. I can only find that the people following the facts of the book have been financing these things. They didn't openly say what objectives they follow. I uh, just played out one scenario, possible, we think realistic, um, because people think they die anyway, and then uh, freak out because they don't have anything to lose. That's what nobody wants. These guys think long-term. All the plans of the NGOs are long-term. One, two generations. Um, if we do that, we can easily do that by making uh, the uh, population unfertile. We have the problem solved in 60 years, and nobody will note. So I don't want to go in what that could be. The book uh, uh, was sold out uh, after one and a half days. Uh, get hold of it, read it. That lists the facts, and uh, you can look at look up what you think is probable. So I'd rather start with the facts than with speculation. We don't know. We don't know what they're up to. What's well, that about speculation now? But um, we would have to look at what this technology is capable of doing theoretically or. Uh, what we know already. Well, if you know the genome well enough, you can take any gene and uh, can pass it on. You can do blonde, blue-eyed people just like stupid people. You can switch these genes on and off. We have them already. <laughs> well, so let's make soup. Let's make. Let's uh, die out the star people, the smart people. So this technology can do anything you want, really. But that affects the next generation. Um, with people who are alive today, um, if the spike production works the way it seems, then I could also produce different things in the body. I think we should hear somebody else about this. It would be very interesting to hear what is theoretically possible if we do a bit of a brainstorming, what could we do with this? Could I only have a spike or other small components that are being produced uh, that may have a big impact? But could I do other things, for instance, just like I said, 
um, less oxygen supply so that uh, something is um, built that uh, improves uh, oxygen uptake, etc. Well, get another expert for that. That's not my matter. I don't want to show you one thing. Just a second, please. I believe um, we were speaking about this Alexandre uh, Oriancourt, who thinks that this is possible. It's speculation, but it is possible. He believes that this is actually a genetic uh, manipulation, which isn't uh, coincidental, but has a certain objective. It is also plausible that if this is the case, that Gates and uh, his mates have pushed the mRNA um, vaccines and the others were allowed to participate. So it looks realistic. So there was a bit of competition. And it's uh, plausible that they push this of all because he's a software developer. At least he complains. Uh, he, he claims that he's is. Maybe his uh, buddy who uh, did it at the time. But uh, that was the idea that people are programmable. And the head of uh, Moderna, I think, even said that we can program people like a hard drive. So I'm not surprised to hear this. What is the ultimate goal? I'm, maybe we can only. Um, summarize it as control, complete control over people uh, as far as they survive this. Well, I don't want to go into the details. If we look at what uh, Schwab and uh, Gates tell us, financing, uh, it's about the power of the corporates. The corporates should have the power and the state should go away. Uh, democracy should be abolished. And now there's different ways to do that. If we look at what transhumanists write, uh, if Schwab says 47% uh, of the people are more K, uh, AI, um, we don't need all the people anymore. And then the transhumanists say, well, we could uh, give the people a happy pill every day and they just uh, sit in front of the TV and don't bother us. This, that's what transhumanism is about. We can do a lot of speculation how that's done, but the general direction is, I think we've got that. That can be viewed from the book and you can think about the details yourself. And I want to come back to what the program also can do. I showed you 30,902 um, sponsorships. Now we can have an Excel sheet out yes, of that. Yes, can see it, yeah. And so here we can see who of Gates got what type of money. So we see Gavi is paid best, five million. Uh, WHO second, and then here, this is how I found it out, the SDGs, uh, public, uh, pilot, public private financeships. Uh, it's not about AIDS here. Three billion. PATH, a very interesting organization. Very interesting. And then you go down here, John Hopkins. No, it's not that you're not prepared. So uh, these are things that this software can do, and you can do more. You can even look what was paid when. So I can sort it out by years. When did Gates pay whom? This is sorted a bit different. What NGO got money from what? This is just an excerpt. Who got what type of money? 
So you can see what the money had when they start to uh, form. And that's why we know it started 2016, 2017. That's when, 17, that's when the money started to flow. So the, the program can do that. So uh, if they changed tax so suddenly in 2015, 2016, what were they pursuing until then? Terrorism or what? Well, they tried to establish the swine flu as a mass project. And then they did five years of brainstorming. Why didn't they? Didn't it work? What do we have to do to make it work? This is all online. They sorted by countries what media reported what and what to do. So they wanted to um, uh, pursue the same goal. Well, I don't want to speculate what they wanted to do in 2009. But that means they wanted to get something into uh, people's bodies at the time. Or just make money, I don't know. Fact is, they were very irritated that they didn't work in 2010. All conferences stated that they um, call themselves Inf Projects against TBC. And when they are, um, they give it a little hint in the conference, two, two slides CBC and 15 slides swine flu. Why? I don't know when it started. 2005, uh, does the military play such a big role? Uh, Johns Hopkins um, Security, Global Health Security, how come? That's speculative. I can tell you what we've seen. I'm not very sure whether the stories with Dark Winter and so on um, that was done in the 2000s, which was about bioweapons, whether that has to do with the pandemic that we see today. But the military is always involved. Uh, we have to look at DAPA, 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 that's a department of the Pentagon. Uh, who develop a science fiction technology. There's a technology that could be used as a weapon, but that's full science fiction. And then the DARPA spends uh, a risk capital, venture capital, and uh, they go down that line. And uh, so that's where they started. And 2013, I think, uh, uh, Mr. Hepner, a military doctor, came out who worked in bio um, uh, laboratories, and um, his money was um, went to uh, Bio and Pfizer. Now, by the way, um, she uh, is a, um, a subdirector of One World. Okay, so these private-public partnerships have been pushed for a long time, I'd say 30 years, but now the fruit um, is ripe because this um, unfriendly takeover of the governments, i.e. of the public part of this PPP, that this um, a takeover of governments um, uh, seems to give them enough control to impose this lockstep approach globally. And seems to be working. Yeah, it's right. doing well. That's the point. I see that quite similar. They get the money from the state. In their mRNA research, they got that paid by the state. DARPA to Pfizer and Moderna. And how could have BioNTech? How long has that company been around? They never got up with anything. Now they did that. That's the uh, striking thing with both mRNA manufacturers. They never got anywhere. Only since 2019, they are um, uh, mushrooming. 
I don't know if you're on my page, I wrote that a couple of days ago. BioNTech went public when in the US? October 19. Briefly. Yes, just after um, Bill Gates had uh, pumped 56 million he, or so into it. He put even up to 100 million in, in September. Then BioNTech went public with a car, uh, stock of $13. So Bill Gates said it's worth it. And from that, he made 100 million into 4 billion. Another trick is read the report that BioNTech sent to Nasdaq uh, end of March 20. Um, they have to do a detailed uh, stockholder, shareholders risk report um, to make that all overt. I think they had a 400-page report on the risks. And that tells you that mRNA research has never been uh, approved and probably never will because of the risks. That was signed in March 2020. In 20, in December the same year, it was approved. Well, that could have only been done because it was well prepared and the system was crashed, as they had said on that uh, Milken uh, meeting. Well, Bill Gates uh, invested in September, end of October they go to the uh, stock, uh, and then Milken, and then COVID. Coincidence? Pure coincidence, definitely. Well, we um, started not talking about uh, conspiracy theory. We talk about coincidence theory. If we talk about that, it's a book about coincidence theory. It all matches right in the smallest detail. <clears throat> Bill Gates is the coincidence generator. Okay. Anyway. I'll really have to ponder on that. Actually, some of that would make things easier for us if it were that simple. Well, it's not simple. You had to do all that research with the help of that software. But I know a very well-known uh, critic of the vaccines and lawyer um, in the US who wanted to go against Bill Gates right from the start, but his consultants advised him not to. And they stopped him and uh, asked, uh, made him to do the first step into the immediate uh, uh, actors. Um, here, we may have the proof that at least he was the driving force behind that. Uh, the others may be uh, not less strong, WEF, welcome, are not poor people either. Uh, well, the problem is that Bill Gates consistently, right from starting his foundation, built, bought the health system. He's in universities all around the world. You can't do any research without Bill Gates being on board. Uh, they're bigger. Welcome is older. They've been around since 36, but they're smaller. And there is a lot of other stories that don't fit here. But I can only recommend that colleagues should get the book. Unfortunately, it's sold out. Um, I don't know when the next uh, publication will be made, but that's... Uh, uh, read it up. 500 cases. Somebody has to do it, um, translate it into English, and go ahead. 
I'll tell him. I'll tell him. Okay. Um, uh, well, what, what a ride, Mr. Ripper, with a clear target. I'll look into the details. That's going to be important for a number of criminal cases that will result from these and other sources. That could be the centerpiece. We'll see. Quite clearly, I admire many people doing the research and the journalists who found parts independently at a level of detail which is admirable and which are in our book that are confirmed. But the book, thanks to the software, I'm just the idiot who, who operated the program and read the emails. Um, um, as you said, I get more mails than I, I need. Um, I have the right point. Software does it. The software does it. You see the overall picture. Everybody's got their individual parts perfectly, but the big picture was created by the software. And I really call everyone to contradict us to prove the opposite. I would be much, much nicer. A greeting from my colleague. He said, my ego would be disappointed, but I would be much happier. And I would run for the vaccine if somebody proves me wrong. Uh, so, um, not convincing, no convincing argument against this yet. So, great, Mr. Ripper. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Thank you very much so far. We have to look into that, um, not only to understand it, we could have seen something, but possibly because we can make use of it. And the colleagues who work here with us internationally, very helpful. We're grateful. Thank you very much. Okay, have a nice weekend. Well, now another change of scenery with some positive aspects and information maybe from Oliver Geber, free journalist, traveling journalist uh, on the relaxed situation in Gambia, where he has been since June 2021. Oli, are you online? I'm here, yes. Great. I've um, seen you since June 2021. You were in Gambia, and there must be a reason why you're still there. What is that? Yes, absolutely. I hadn't known the Gambia. The smallest country in Africa is something I hadn't um, on the radar at all, but there are good reasons why I'm still in the Gambia and have been here for nearly eight months. I um, made an excursion to Senegal. Um, I wanted to have a comparison because I knew Senegal. I'd been there a few times. And uh, for instance, I uh, noticed with um, uh, Auchan in Dakar, uh, I was uh, uh, banned from shopping there because I uh, wasn't wearing a mask. <clears throat> I wasn't muzzled up. And I was kicked out. The uh, opposite is uh, Dakar, i.e. Senegal, um, compared to the Gambia, where there are no measures uh, that are being taken at all. And this uh, reinforced my um, decision to um, focus on the Gambia. And then in terms of climate, this country is more pleasant uh, since June 2021. I may have had 25 days, particularly in the first three months, 
with a lot of rainfall, but since uh, the middle of October it never rained, and um, have uh, uh, Cologne on my screen, and I see um, that's my hometown, and I see the temperature difference. It's 20 to 30 degrees difference. So you get a lot of vitamin D here in the Gambia as well, which may not be so bad. And then the people are very um, happy that you come to this country as a foreigner because you have to say um, the overall economic context. Most countries have many raw materials that are being plundered by the Chinese or by uh, Americans or Europeans. But the Gambia has hardly any natural resources left. The forests have been uh, taken down, with the exception of the east of the Gambia. The smallest country of Africa has about uh, 600 kilometers to the east of here, has a, um, a low um, area depression. And currently, the Gambia is the most interesting country because it is largely free of any measures. The only thing that um, is um, um, a bit of a, a problem is the um, entrance into the country, a country which may have been dictated by IATA or uh, the World Health Organization. Coming from Georgia, I had to show a negative PCR test. So on the 31st of May, up until the 31st of May 2021, I was in Georgia. It's also an interesting country that we should take a closer look at, uh, whether it's uh, interesting for um, people for tax reasons and because the overall uh, framework conditions um, in Georgia speak in favor of the country. But here, you don't need to wear a mask. There are the usual um, play cards in the shops. Um, enter only with masks that they may have put up a year and a half ago. But nobody demands it, nobody implements it. So I'd say if you want to move freely, then the Gambia is an interesting um, alternative to maybe Tanzania. Well, weather-wise and landscape-wise as well, probably. <clears throat> well, in terms of landscape, the East is beautiful. There is a region where there's a, a, a lot of biodiversity. Um, it's very difficult to reach, which probably protects the landscape. I spent some time on a um, houseboat in a region called Dungeonburg um, in colonial times. That was it used to be called Georgetown. And I felt like a hundred years back. So there was a wooden houseboat um, that uh, just moved along sluggishly. 
no other boats to be seen. You really were alone in uh, in the middle of nature, and you saw no end of animals, from chimpanzees to crocodiles to hippos, and a, a huge number of birds. It was really impressive, and I thought, wow, this country has potential if it develops uh, tourism. This is um, the crux here, that the country only of tourism as a resource for income, um, the agriculture is very weak. Most uh, things are imported mostly from Senegal, uh, but also from Morocco, amazingly. But the Gambia itself could do a lot more of itself if tourism were boosted, uh, to use this nice word, booster, in a, in a positive way now. Uh, what about the political situation? Well, in December there were elections and the old president, Mr. Barrow, uh, was re-elected, which has to do with the fact that he uh, dominates the media across all the media. And normally the incumbent can uh, fall back on his power. I don't want to criticize this. The country is quite peaceful. I think it's one of Africa's safest countries. Well, that means if the measures theoretically exist but are not um, enforced, politics must agree to that. Well, I think that the Gambia is not important enough for various organizations to um, bring pressure to bear on the country like um, they would on other countries. I can only give you my experience from numerous discussions. I spoke with many Germans or Europeans who came to the Gambia and then who felt quite relaxed here in the Gambia and who actually decided well, we could imagine uh, emigrating to the Gambia with a family, and some have already done this already. So they actually came over with their children to the Gambia because they are exempt of um, the measures here, wearing masks, um, vaccination um, mandate, etc. Well, I'll have I'll have a look at this. Well, we don't know um, if the global agenda uh, keeps spreading, whether it won't be imposed there as well. Of course, you never know. Um, if a country is put on the focus because something happened or a person says something about uh, this, there may be uh, a counteraction, so to say. So this is why I can only say that the country will remain insignificant to get into the focus of the global public. I think the country offers very good framework conditions for people from Germany. The people are very friendly. 
nearly all of them speak English, and that is, um, if you're not good in French, it is better, for example, than in Senegal and or Guinea-Bissau, where they speak Portuguese and French. So, um, in February, I had um, uh, a visit. Um, they have um, 200 nice islands, similar to the Philippines, but in Guinea-Bissau, I, um, I will have to speak Portuguese. My French is quite okay, but I think that the Germans are well off in countries like Gambia. Um, if I'm asked for a tour bar, that's a welcome for us white people, then it says that the people are coming forward, what star we come from, what planet we come from. So we are very, very positively received. And I personally feel very well um, uh, home here. Of course, I have some critical points. Traffic, our old Mercedes C-Class from 1949 to 1999 are still driving around um, often with a red badge from uh, the city prohibitions. There's a problem with the litter I'd like to uh, address with a German um, engineer, Norbert Kessler, if you're watching. He has a patent with his Swiss partners, and he can take 1,000 kilogram plastics to produce 800 liters of paraffin oil without any loss, and that's fantastic. I wanted to present that to the government here, but then I was asked what the investment needs to be, how many millions um, are going to flow to Gambia soon. And that's, of course, difficult then um, to make it clear to an engineer that he has to bring a lot of money in to clean the country up. So, we have to find a big group of people to go to Gambia and immigrate there and bring enough money for that. G not, not, not Zambia. Zambia is way down south. <clears throat> Maybe, can I ask the corona, the country uh, handle corona completely differently all the time? Any dead? And the boss still alive? <laughs> I can't verify what the actual situation is. Just like in other countries, there is a lot of uh, reporting about Corona. And in the media, an interview partner is shown with his mask. And I think the narrative uh, will be externalized um, intensively that more people feel inspired to um, put on a facial mask. But the population don't um, really uh, take that on board. I, I could um, show you the personnel, the staff of the restaurant where I am now, uh, because there are no guests here. Um, I can just do this. There's no one else here. 
uh, try to get a look at uh, the public. Meine Damen, das ist ein Live-Interview mit Deutschland. Die wollen wissen, äh, wie es in diesem wunderschönen Land aussieht. Ja. Well, uh, the Gambia is very friendly, um, um, very friendly people. There are very few people, maybe the new arrivals from Europe who may wear a, uh, may wear a mask on the first day. You can see that when you pick someone up from the airport, then they still wear their mask coming out of the plane. The next day, these people don't wear their mask anymore by the latest the next day. And on the planes, they make a point of everybody wearing their masks at all times. But when I finally was able to leave the plane, I immediately took off this mask. And during the flight, I had to eat a lot, of course. I was uh, obliged to eat all the time because of my health status. I'm a diabetic type 1, so I always have a good reason why I unfortunately have to eat a lot. Well, what about the vaccinations there? Is that on the agenda if they don't observe masks? Probably there's not a much, not a lot of vaccination going on, is it? Well, uh, probably. Um, in the hotels, the uh, owners are um, called upon to have their staff vaccinated, and that's something that um, hotel operators told me. And I heard uh, from staff that they had to get vaccinated or else lose their jobs. And then in, uh, in such a country, there are very few opportunities uh, for somebody who loses a job in a hotel uh, to find another job. They then, of course, had to uh, get vaccinated. So after all, that's apparent here in all countries. We've talked about Austria, other countries before, Australia, US. All of the countries, they have a mandatory vaccination in the sense that the dirty work um, is taken over by the employees. The governments themselves don't impose that mandatory. They do the mandatory vaccination and try to use the employees to implement it. But that doesn't lead to tourists or people like you're a tourist. They don't, uh, they're not bothered by uh, vaccinations, are they? Not at all. Nobody ever asked, uh, approached me about this since I um, first arrived here. And five days ago, I had a, a personal experience that I can speak about because I was uh, going in a taxi and the taxi driver um, happened to have an, a vaccination certificate on him. And I asked him whether he has to have it. And he said, yes, otherwise he wouldn't be allowed to drive a taxi. So um, the people who have a lot of contact with uh, people, they are uh, subject to these uh, measures. Good. Well, good news, isn't it? Probably you will be able to stay for a while, won't you? Absolutely. I, I'm not planning to leave the country anytime soon. On the contrary, 
I would like to help the country attract more uh, tourists. I write uh, favorable articles. I made a few TV productions on the Gambia, and I try to help the country by motivating more people to um, spend their holidays here in the Gambia. Many hotels um, have suffered extremely from the pandemic. If I look back at uh, 2019, 630,000 people came to the Gambia, born maybe in Spain or other countries. And then in 2020, this decreased by 80 to 85 percent, so most of them um, um, probably work in the U.S. Uh, or Europe. Um, um, most of them are people who work in the U.S. and uh, Europe, um, people from the Gambia. Now things will improve, and more or less 100,000 will have spent uh, time in uh, 2021. Um, I get the exact figures. Um, I've been promised the figures. Some hotels are well booked now, and that speaks for their marketing. But most hotels really suffer from far fewer tourists coming into the country than in the past. Restaurants, the same goes for restaurants and the taxi drivers. Um, they want to have their taxis booked more, of course, because they invested money. Um, the old Mercedes C class are sold for 4,000 euro here. And for somebody who earns 50 or 70 euro a month, that's the average income here in the Gambia. That's very difficult to uh, finance. Well, that's something. That's true. Okay. Well, Oli, I think we'll make sure that many of us come there. I think it's very interesting. Maybe we should go there for a change. Do our meetings there, perhaps. That's good. I can only recommend it. <clears throat> Oli, thank you very much for your review. Um, it's very good. Seems to be a good selection. If you say it's safe, uh, safer than uh, the rest of Africa, that makes it more attractive. Yeah, of course. Um, well, I've been here <coughs> for eight months, as I said, and even at night, uh, nobody uh, stole my mobile uh, from my pocket um, or from a bag. So it's really okay. And if I were in Nairobi, in Pretoria, or Cape Town, I don't think I'd still have my mobile in the same situation. Yeah, I've heard of that as well. Oli, thanks again, and have a nice weekend. All right, all the best, and keep up the good work. Okay, see you then, see you then. And again, I swap off scenes. We are going to talk to a member of the European Parliament, Francesca Donato. She is an Italian politician. And we're going to switch to English. Italianische Politikerin 
die die kritischen Ideen gegenüber 2013. Also founder of the political association Rinascita Republicana for the protection of democratic and republican values in Italy since 2021. And she looks at the need of inquiries uh, into hospitals practices when they deal with unvaccinated patients. Uh, there, for example, there are reports of denial of medical treatment and surgery, uh, the need of an independent analysis of COVID vaccines that are suspected to contain nanotechnology or other unknown components not biocompatible. And these are, sci these are scientific issues that have a direct repercussion on the vaccine's le legitimacy. Um, uh, Ms. Donata, can you? Hello. Ah, good. I'm sorry again. I, I have to apologize for keeping for, for having kept you waiting. But I think maybe if you if you listen to some of the translations, uh, it wasn't it wasn't totally boring, right? Of of course, it yeah. was very interesting. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for inviting me in of this course. meeting. Yeah, yeah. Please tell us what have you found out and what are you going to dig deeper into. Well, uh, first of all, I'd like to expose you the present, the current situation in Italy, where we we are uh, witnessing a progressive uh, attack to uh, fundamental human rights of Italian citizens. Uh, just today, we received the, the announcement of the last uh, government decree that introduced the, the need of, of a, a COVID certificate or a um, vaccine passport, even for old people to draw their pension in uh, public uh, offices. Yeah. Uh, this is a, a really insane and shameful discrimination against old people because uh, as we everybody knows, uh, uh, the majority of them don't have digital devices or are not uh, used to to handle them. So they, um, a few of them, have the possibility of having the uh, accreditation of their pension on uh, their online banking uh, service. Uh, and if they don't have uh, uh, any relative, a son, a daughter who can go. Uh, in their place to the public desk and uh, uh, draw the, their pension, they uh, physically can't access uh, their money. They, they can't get their money. And this is uh, so, uh, you know, terrible. It's uh, just a persecution against uh, unvaccinated people that our government is uh, uh, treat, treating as if they were criminals. They are considered as criminals, guilty of a, a very bad fault, a very bad crime. And then they are going on punishing with uh, increasingly harsh measures and uh, segregation and restrictions that have not any um, scientific basis any longer. Because uh, what we're witnessing in our hospitals is that uh, um, the majority of hospitalized people are vaccinated, are double vaccinated, and some of them uh, even with a booster done. But uh, the, the media are uh, wrongly informing people, saying that the majority of them are unvaccinated. The point is that 
uh, according to the um, government directives, uh, people who didn't receive a booster in time are scheduled as unvaccinated too, even if they had the two doses of vaccine. And uh, so there is a, a, a awful disinformation going on and uh, a hate campaign against uh, the so-called Novax, uh, that, that means people who are not, uh, you know, compliant with uh, uh, later rules about uh, boosters vaccination. Um, and, the, and today uh, we, we need these uh, certificates to access every premise, public premises, like, uh, such as shops, public offices, uh, uh, public services, uh, such as, you know, hairdressers, beauty salons, uh, but also um, um, stores uh, with the only exemptions of food stores and markets, but only to buy uh, basic necessities. If you go to a, a supermarket and you buy something different, buy food or you know basic uh, basic uh, goods, uh, police can uh, uh, search in your uh, trolls, uh, trolley and uh, uh, fine you if you don't have the green pass, uh, the so-called green pass, which is the COVID uh, Italian certificate. Uh, in spite of, um, besides that, uh, there is not the possibility for anybody to use public transports. No public transport may be accessed by people if they're not vaccinated or uh, recover from COVID by uh, not longer by six months. So you need a vaccine passport to use a train, a bus, uh, a plane and the people living in islands as I am, I live in Sicily. We have two main islands in Italy, Sicily and Sardinia and a lot of minor islands. Well, all these people are segregated in their islands because if, you, if we are not uh, recently vaccinated, uh, we cannot uh, take a plane or a boat, a public uh, ferry, to uh, go to the mainland. So in this moment, there are uh, dozens of uh, suits of legal actions uh, that are uh, being presented to the courts. And some courts are welcoming them, are giving positive responses, so they allow people to to travel and to do to work ah you know we have the mandatory vaccination for all people uh, older than 50 with uh, uh, sanctions um, money to pay uh, fines uh, if uh, we don't comply which are uh, applied directly by the uh, taxes agency and so we, we are living a sort of nightmare. Uh, the current opinion is that Mussolini was more democratic than Mario Draghi, by, by all means, and no doubt. And on the scientific point of view, I'm interviewing uh, very often a lot of people who suffer from uh, uh, adverse effects uh, due to the vaccinations. 
uh, who are uh, in, in many cases are very serious. Uh, the, they affect the um, central um, system, neurologic system, or um, heart conditions, uh, circulation, uh, uh, you know, diseases, uh, or even others. Very, very, very serious uh, effects. And they receive uh, no help, no um, uh, free uh, assistance by the public sanitary system. They are totally abandoned by doctors and hospitals who treat them like if they were no vax because they complain about they you know <laughs> uh, complain about uh, the effects of vaccines. Um, there are a lot of people who are desperate because they already lost uh, someone in their family because of the vaccines or they already suffer for uh, damages after the vaccines and they are obliged to have the third dose or the first dose in any case because medicians refuse, physicians refuse to uh, sign uh, exemptions. Our government allowed only vaccinators to um, release uh, exemptions, and they have the order of releasing none. Wow, um, I'm every day. I'm trying to to say all of these uh, uh, things uh, on the media, and um, often I I I go to TV shows where I, you know, uh, denounce all of these things. Um, I also interviewed uh, interviewed uh, in the European Parliament um, many times, uh, even uh, with other uh, MPs, uh, my colleagues uh, who denounced uh, this situation. But uh, the European Union is totally silent; is totally supporting Mario Draghi's government, uh, uh, regardless of uh, the. Ter ter terrible violations of human rights that we are witnessing in Italy because of his rules. Um, and we, we feel, you know, abandoned. Uh, I already asked with the public uh, appeal uh, for help uh, of uh, foreign uh, governments and foreign all, um, NGOs, uh, whoever has uh, in mind uh, the attention uh, to human rights, uh, uh, I, I, I think that today should uh, do something to help Italy and other countries who are living this nightmare because uh, really uh, people are starting to leave the country to emigrate to the north of Europe, to Sweden, Norway, or to wherever uh, we can live in peace and without being persecuted and, uh, you know, indicated as criminals and so discriminated by even by other people uh, in all, all our lives you know uh, i don't know if um, if you want to ask me some questions some further question i can uh, yeah, i can I answer i would like to know if there's um, protests going on yes of course there are protests um, but uh, the government is totally ignoring them. They're, they have a sort of no effect. Um, the media are uh, uh, blaming uh, people who protest, uh, accusing them to be 
um, terrorists uh, or crazy people, you know, uh, irresponsible people. <laughs> That's part of the worldwide lockstep approach. That is the only reaction that we see anywhere. No one ever discusses what these people really are doing, what they really want. But the only knee-jerk reaction is right-wing, right-wing, Nazi, Nazi. That's it. Which is totally false because we have lots of leftist movements and even politicians who clearly and expressly attack the government and ask the government to stop all, all this because the violation of our constitution are so evident that even the highest courts have started, you know, putting the question on the table, the, the, the issue on the table of uh, the, of the not um, legitimacy of these rules uh, according to our constitutional law. But the government is going ahead as if it was, you know, untouchable. Untouchable is the, the right word. He, Mario Draghi feels like he's the, you know, the Führer of Italy. <laughs> I, I don't know how to, to define him better. He looks the part too. Well, he, I mean, he feels that he's backed by the agenda. You know, that's yeah, why he's... Um, that's probably of course. I, I was wondering, the people that you see on the streets now, are there more like vaccinated people who are kind of waking up to the situation or like formally? Well, I mean, not they don't have the status anymore, I guess, like soon at least. But um, is this changing a little bit, the crowd that's uh, demonstrating? Yeah, we have uh, increasingly vaccinated people joining the demonstrations because, uh, as I told you, um, some of them uh, are have experimented adverse effects. Others uh, uh, simply don't agree with the, his, uh, you know, fascist uh, approach uh, against unvaccinated and don't uh, like being compelled to receive the third dose or uh, or other restrictions if they don't do it um, so um, something is uh, you know moving uh, in that direction of widening uh, the support of these protests but in any case uh, the the majority of people have been so much terrified by the media uh, panic spreading uh, uh, about the danger of death of this COVID Omicron variant, which in, in fact is just a sort of sort of a cold, yeah. nothing more than a cold. But people are so scared mm. that they use double masks uh, <laughs> uh, even in the open air. They forbid their children to meet the others because they are afraid of the. Uh, infections. So we have a sort of psychopathological yeah. behavior uh, uh, among uh, so many people that uh, can't understand the, the illogical pattern. You know, it, it's really difficult to have a dialogue with these people because they are so, uh, you know, in the loop of fear that they can't go out of that. So there is also a psychological issue, a very important one. And and also vaccination of children are rushing. Oh my God. Are going on very fast. I'm, 
I'm so worried about this because a lot of parents are going, taking their children to the hubs uh, because they are, you know, convinced that it's for their good and for the good uh, uh, of uh, society and whatever. <sighs> I don't know. There's also, you are um, also a founder even of Progetto Eurexia. Eurexia, yes. And this is uh, an association that I founded in uh, 2013 uh, with the purpose of uh, discussing uh, the um, you know the real uh, um, opportunity the real uh, possibility of exiting the eurozone not only for italy but for all european countries that don't uh, take advantage on it uh, because uh, uh, Di dialoguing with uh, other countries, uh, uh, you know, members, uh, um, we discovered that the euro is not so, uh, you know, useful and uh, good for all countries, especially for peripheral ones. Um, and uh, we thought that a discussion uh, in Europe about uh, a way out uh, of this. Uh, you know, frame, the Eurozone frame should be uh, started uh, and uh, uh, in alternative, some structural reforms of the Eurozone structure uh, should have been uh, implemented. And today, some of them have uh, been implemented. Some, you know, uh, bonds have been put into discussion. But uh, in any case, we, we, we think that the, this structure doesn't work really because there are so many imbalances between countries that uh, are not solved by the euro system. And uh, we propose the study, the you know, mutual uh, analysis of uh, new solutions to solve the economic uh, and macroeconomic problems mm -hmm. in uh, in Europe in the Euro eurozone uh, more than us. Is that is that your your? I, I assume you are a member of a political party, or else you wouldn't be a member of the European uh, uh, Parliament. Well, right? I was a, yes, I was a member of the Liga party, uh -huh. uh, but I exited it uh, some months ago uh, because I didn't uh, agree with the support to Mario Draghi's government. So mm -hmm. I asked my party to to discuss the, the thing, the issue. They denied me that. And so I, I decided to exit the party because I totally disagree with this support. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that uh, my, you know, my conscience doesn't allow me to support a fascist government, uh, whoever leads it and for no, any reasons. So uh, the, the reason was that of uh, allowing the drawing uh, uh, of the PNRR, uh, you know, plan for the European Recovery Fund uh, uh -huh. money. Yeah. But this is not a good reason to to support uh, fascist rules and the persecution of minorities. I think. Do you think? Uh, so, uh, do you think that the Italian population uh, could be able to unite 
after a project that wants to get Italy out of the EU. I'm asking this because uh, we've spoken to many representatives of um, Eastern European countries, and all of them are saying that but the, 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 the people in their countries are both skeptical of their own governments uh, because, uh, as they said, um, fascism is only one generation ago in, the, in these countries, but they're also very skeptical of the European Union. And yeah. so, so am I, by the way. Uh, I've always been opposed to this right from the start. Um, and I don't think that we need this mini government, which is now about to uh, be installed. I think that's what they think. It's not going to happen, I don't think. But a uh, mini government under an idiot like uh, Uschi von der Leyen. So do you think that um, a majority of the people in Italy uh, are opposed to this um, EU domination? Well, uh, I, I don't think it's a majority uh -huh. nowadays, because uh, as we are witnessing about COVID, also about uh, the Eurozone, the mass media have uh, for uh, years and years uh, supported the uh, narrative where the Euro has saved Italy by failure. The, the Euro is fantastic, wonderful. We couldn't live without it and whatever. Mm -hmm. So uh, the majority of people are convinced that uh, if we had not the Euro, we, we would sink uh, in the Mediterranean Sea, mm -hmm. uh, as well as they thought that uh, uh, if uh, there was a Brexit, the UK would sink in the Northern Sea. But <laughs> this didn't happen. But uh, still today, there are people thinking that, oh, the UK are all so bad now because they exited the EU. Well, when they go there, they uh, see that it's not like that. But, you know, mm. <laughs> in, the fact is that uh, in any case, there are, uh, a good percentage of people who are really convinced that, that uh, the EU is not working well, definitely, and the Eurozone and the Euro are uh, more a problem than value for us. So, <coughs> uh, going ahead with this situation, I think that this percentage could uh, grow. So, like, as you know, uh, since you're a member of the European Parliament, what's the atmosphere there like? Is it, are, are there people opposed to what's happening or is everyone just playing along and you're one of the very few people who's speaking out? Well, um, the majority of groups are supporting this um, vaccine campaign and... Uh, wow. The decisions of the Commission uh, von der Leyen. Um, inside the groups, uh, there are uh, nonetheless uh, some MEPs who disagree, some of them uh, firmly disagree, but the majority of them um, don't come out uh, to light because they, they are. Uh, threatened by the groups to be ex expelled if they do. So uh, they are, they keep silence by, you know, uh, behind the scenes, uh, they support uh, our, uh, our work. I think that uh, next month, uh, if uh, things go worse and worse, 
more of them could uh, decide to uh, expressly stand for human rights uh, by us, uh, um, side by side with us. At the moment, we are sort of uh, seven, eight uh, uh, MEPs, uh, five of us uh, most uh, active and few more will be in next month. Mm -hmm. um, but we are just a few, we are just a small minority at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, I hope that, uh, I don't know, the new presidency of the parliament uh, is a little more sensitive about the, these issues. That's what I really hope and I will, what I really check. But uh, as far as the commission uh, is regarded, uh, um, the commission is totally compliant with the Italian government. And I proposed several interrogations to the commissioner of health uh, of the European Union uh, about uh, the vaccines, uh, uh, COVID vaccines, uh, authorization for emergency use, uh, um, virus effects, uh, or um, other other important aspects. Also, the contracts, uh, 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 lack of transparency about uh, many information. But they also always answer in a very disappointing way. Uh, you know evading the questions uh, they they just don't reply really mm. uh, do you have like you know like information about corruption going on or like i mean something concrete or is it more that everyone is playing along because they just they're overwhelmed by fear or have other reasons why do you think it is that they're not looking more well uh, i have not uh, concrete uh, evidences uh, to affirm that there are uh, corruption uh, behaviors but well you know there are already have been allegations against uh, um, the minister the commissioner of health uh, yeah. uh, who received uh, some payments uh, four million uh, euros right yeah 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 so uh, we uh, we had we also proposed an interrogation about that mm -hmm. which was answered directly by ursula von der leyen saying that uh, that money was uh, received before uh, having the the charge of uh, the minister the, the commissioner and so, that and so makes a difference what yeah. difference does that make <laughs> how stupid do they think we are well well quite enough yeah. <laughs> i think that they they consider all the people who don't belong to their you know very strict circle as uh, stupid and uh, yeah. you know dumb, uh, useless. Mm. I I will be uh, in any case. I will be in uh, Brussels uh, mm -hmm. on Sunday, mm -hmm. and I will have a place. I will talk uh, in the big uh, demonstration where I think you will always uh, talk too. We, we we're still thinking. We, we're still thinking about ah, it. Ah, you're uh, not. Uh, you, gonna, you didn't confirm yet. No, we want to keep it. Um, we want to keep, keep thinking about it to the very last minute. Uh, okay. But, but we'll see. Okay. We'll see. Well, I, I already confirmed my presence okay. uh, with my colleagues, uh, uh, MEPs. Um, I think it's important in this moment to to show that there yeah. is a, a connection between the European countries and European parliaments, uh, European politicians uh, who want to cooperate uh, 
to get out of this uh, totalitarianism, uh, yeah. sanitary totalitarianism, yeah. because That's what people are, are really desperate. They, they just ask us to do something every day yeah. to save them. Also, in Brussels, uh, there is a, a, an issue regarding the um, people working at the parliament, at the commission, and the European institutions who are very, very worried and uh, even uh, discriminated if mm -hmm. they are not vaccinated. So I think that we all should uh, fight for, for our rights because agree, yeah. if, if we don't, we will lose them forever. Absolutely, Absolutely. I agree. I agree. Okay, that's a good reason to, uh, if you're there, that's a good reason to come for us. <laughs> uh, it would be a pleasure for me to meet you in person, have to have further, you know, discussion on what yeah. we can greatly do, because I, I followed the, the, your uh, activity, your party in Germany. I think it's a great idea. It's a great initiative. And I really would like that uh, something like that uh, uh, can be born in Italy too, because we definitely need to have a political yeah. uh, voice and the official representation of all of these people who are abandoned, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So if we could have a political connections, uh, that would work. We must have that. And we can also oh, see oh. from, you know, the, because we got, uh, just got um, appointed the, well, the, um, the leaders of this party together with um, seven other people but or got elected um, but um, the thing is that we can see there's so much resistance yeah. from you know the old board of directors basically uh, they they cling on to their um, to their post which is gone you know but they so it seems to be a lot of uh, um, initiative in order to to hinder the party from like really you know starting to take action so it, it just shows how important it is and how important a political party that's really um, able to take um, action yeah. is in these days because all of the other political parties all the established political parties have completely lost out they have lost all credibility none of them yeah. is capable or willing uh, to do anything about the anti uh, about the corona measures uh, this party is willing to do that and that's why it's being attacked that's why uh, the uh, uh, probably the intelligence services which is the people who are pushing the corona agenda really that's yeah, why the intelligence services are trying to infiltrate the party but we're cleaning it up right now and it's it's going pretty well because people in this party are particularly aware of such shenanigans to put it that way okay very good to know i hope that you can resist all attacks and uh, we will. get stronger <laughs> and stronger because your example can be really encouraging for our for us for yes, all I of us so i hope so okay well maybe we're gonna meet on sunday then um i really hope so if uh, we have the you have my contact so yes. just uh, let me know and uh, we can uh, we can have a good talk uh, in person or else we're gonna come to sicily <laughs> oh why not so that would be great for me yeah. <laughs> well, Whenever you like it, you're my guest. <laughs> okay, thank you. All right, well, thank you very much. This was, thank on the you. one hand, a little bit disturbing, but on the other hand, as you are a fighter, this is also encouraging. Yeah, thank you.
very much. I'm a really a fighter. Yes, I can see that. Excellent. I don't surrender. I won't surrender. Very, very good. Yeah. Okay. Goodbye, and thank you again for inviting me. Thank you for coming. Thank you very much. Okay. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah. everybody. Und nun sind wir schon wieder am Ende einer ereignisreichen Sitzung. Das muss man wirklich sagen, ja. Mein Gott, aber ich finde es ja gut, dass die Leute kämpfen. Also jeder, mit dem wir gesprochen haben, kämpft. Ja, äh, auch Professor Burkhardt, der bleibt nicht einfach auf seinem Sessel sitzen, sondern er kommt aus der Kurve und sagt, was er denkt. Und das ist doch, das hätte man früher so nicht gehabt. Leute, die wouldn't have had before people who come from the universities uh, kept shut up. They were adapted. So things seem to be changing here. And she's a fighter, surely. Great thing. Good stuff. Yes, people are fighting on all fronts. And um, of course, the, the opponent is still resisting, of course, but... Um... Well, we have a two or three little videos, fantastic videos, um, entertaining videos. One is a clip with an American doctor in a hospital reporting on, with clear numbers, figures, how the hospitals are paid for uh, killing the patients. And we have a German super booster song based on an ABBA song and a brilliant English song uh, called You Can Stick Your New World Order Up Your Ass. Quite cool stuff. Yeah, well, I also have a, um, a clip, mumbles, made by Oval Media <clears throat> about um, excess mortality, how it is related to um, what's happening, and that's interesting as well. Um, so, as always, we're happy if our work is supported with um, uh, donations. It's very important. I think we found out a lot more new things today, and I think the news is tightening <coughs> ever more uh, based on the findings. Yes, that's why they're fighting back. Well, thank you very much uh, for your uh, support, and um, we really depend on, on it, on those donations. So thank you. It uh, remains interesting, and I think important steps to follow. We'll keep it up and wish you a nice Friday. Yes, but joining and fight always helps, especially the connections that we are establishing. The women that I met this morning, in the morning, bring me together with the right people and we get forward. That's what we should do. All people should connect because they're on the right side. Yes, the right connection are being established uh, all around that we need. Um, so yes, this was quite a, uh, a long session. Okay, so um, have a nice weekend, uh, recover well, and we'll see you again next week. See you then. Have, have a nice, nice weekend. weekend. So the current situation is this. If you have COVID and you end up in the providing bonus payments to hospitals whenever you have a diagnosis of COVID. And then number two, the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services is waiving patient rights. This is a deadly combination. So here's what happens. You get a payment, 
because you offer a free COVID test in the emergency room. You get a boost payment if you have a diagnosis of COVID. Number three, you get another bonus payment if you are admitted with COVID. Number four, you get another bonus payment if you're put on remdesivir. Number five, another bonus payment if you're put on a mechanical ventilator. Number six, another 20% bonus if the diagnosis on your death certificate says COVID, even though you may not have died from COVID. And then number seven, there's bonus payments to coroners. Do you understand the gravity of what's happening right now? The Biden administration is literally paying hospitals to kill you. That's what's happening. This is terrible. We need to stop that. These are real human lives we're talking about. They're priceless. It's estimated at about $100,000 per patient is what the hospital's getting. Think about that. Ladies and gentlemen, the real news of right now continues. Doch die Risse werden größer in der Matrix, doch für dich geht's hier zum Superbooster, immer wieder rein hier bis zum letzten Zug. Gesund ist nicht genug, sie kriegen dich mit Lug und Trug. Jetzt gibt's den Superbooster, halt mal schön den Arm hin, halbjährlich Juhu. Sie geben niemals gut und an der Angel zappelst du. Du kannst nicht sehen, was hier passiert. Der Groschen fällt, wenn du den Mist realisierst, dann haut's dich um und du kapierst es nach und nach. Wir sagen nicht, wir haben's ja gesagt. Wie schön zum Superbooster, hau dir brav den Kram rein, hundertmal nur zu, bis zur ewigen Ruhe, zum Superzombie wirst auch du. You can stick your new world order up your ass. You can stick your new world order up your ass. You can stick your new world order where the sun don't shine but water. Stick your new world order up your ass. Singing we are the 99 percent. Singing we are the 99 percent. Singing we are the 90. Together we are mighty. Queen will be arrested in a dressing gown. The Queen will be arrested in a dressing gown. The Queen will be arrested in a cause she is such a sinner. She'll be arrested in a dressing gown. You can stick your corporation up your ass. You can stick your corporation up your ass. 
corporation. We're a free and sovereign nation. State your corporation of your Set up your ass. 
You can stick your great reset up your ass. You can stick your great reset. Cause the people they don't know ya. Stick your great reset up your ass. Sing it we are 99%. Share this. Ob nu aufspielen. Noch nie hat es in Deutschland. Never before has there been a mass vaccination campaign like over the last 13 months in Germany. <coughs> More than 130 million COVID vaccinations have been administered, while the name vaccine is misleading because it is a new uh, system where only the genetic information is injected and the actual uh, substance is only generated in uh, the human body. With the Omicron variant, now it becomes apparent that another um, aspect of vaccinations is missing, Affection, uh, effectiveness. People are not protected against uh, an infection and they can pass on the virus. But we will now speak about the security about these, the safety about these so-called vaccinations. This is something that Paul Ehrlich Institute is to monitor. According to most recent safety report, more than 130,000 suspected uh, uh, side effects have been um, reported to it, among them nearly 2,000 deaths. The president of the institution, Paul Tichotek, um, um, indicated that uh, usually these uh, cases have no relation to the vaccination. In order to verify this, the um, institute used the so-called observed versus expected analysis, which means that the number of deaths is compared to the number of deaths that should be expected in the um, vaccinated cohort. This leads to uh, no signal for a um, increased uh, risk of death. Scientifically, this method is very questionable as long as only a short, a small uh, number of people uh, dying after vaccination are considered to be vaccine-related, potentially. In other countries, similar um, statements have been made. 
um, group of statistics in um, at the University of London noticed something strange in this context. The orange curve uh, shows the all-cause mortality, i.e., the number of um, deaths in the group of uh, among the vaccinated. The uh, blue curve shows the uh, risk among unvaccinated. And the uh, peak in uh, deaths uh, coincides with the vaccinations. In January 2021, vaccination started in the UK. First, the over 80-year-olds were vaccinated. The death rate um, peaks at the end of January among the unvaccinated. The 70-year-olds um, were vaccinated in end of January and end of February. Uh, their number of deaths um, peaks. And again, the death risk of uh, unvaccinated peaks here. Absurd. Why should the um, risk of death of the uh, COVID vaccinations have an impact on the unvaccinated? The scientists were, were surprised to see that uh, people are only considered to be vaccinated if their vaccination is at least two years, uh, two weeks old. This is why deaths within two weeks of vaccination were um, allocated to the unvaccinated. They uh, uh, say that this is due to systematic miscategorization of deaths between the different groups of unvaccinated and vaccinated. The conclusion is that the vaccines do not reduce all-cause mortality, but rather produce genuine spikes in all-cause mortality shortly after vaccination. The Bavarian scientist uh, Christoph Kubantner is a professor of psychology at the University of Regensburg and an expert of statistical methods. When he read the uh, English study, he decided to verify whether there is a similar effect in Germany. As the allocation between vaccinated and unvaccinated is at least as unreliable in Germany as it is in the UK, he decided to use two uh, simple but clear uh, data sets for his analysis, the uh, mortality figures of the uh, Federal Office of Statistics and the number of uh, vaccinations per day um, indicated by the RKI. The red curve shows the number of deaths in uh, 2021, which uh, decreases after the um, normal mortality, winter mortality, when vaccinations start, however, uh, the number increases. The same effect applies to the second vaccinations peaking in the summer of 2021. And it's particularly impressive for the booster vaccinations starting in October. The red graph of the year 2021 is clearly above the average of the previous years. The uh, week 47 shows uh, several thousands, 4,788 additional cases. More than half of them are non-COVID deaths. Well, as if every year, every day, a B747 is crashing. That's what that was the comparison made. So if that uh, suspicion uh, 
proves true, that actually holds true for the vaccinations. The red marked areas show the plus by COVID incidated deaths compared to the year before. Also, this doesn't play good for the vaccinations if it is more frequent than more rare. Here we see the red non-COVID areas. From half of the year, um, compared to the year before, more people die of causes that have nothing to do with COVID. And now it's known that correlation alone is not causality. <clears throat> causation. So this is why Coven applied a number of different, different statistic methods to evaluate the cause. One of these is the individual analysis of the individual German states. Here we see regional specialities in the different speeds of vaccinations, even individual peaks, for example, if the supply of vaccinations drops are mirrored here. Kuban revealed a relevation factor of 0.898, and nothing more is possible. The maximum is one, showing that it um, provides the possibility that if you drop a pen to the floor, it'll hit the floor. And besides this, the second and third vaccination has immediate effect on the figures on the death rates in that state. Even more apparent is a comparison between Israel, Germany, and Austria. And Austria. The top levels show the uh, number of deaths, and the second show the level of boosters. We can see that where in Israel the level, the booster, the peak of boosters was in August, and we see the same for Austria, that a higher speed than in Germany, where the curve picks up again as well. Christoph Kubantner sends his analysis weeks ago to the health authorities. The Paul Ehrlich Institute didn't even respond. Robert Koch Institute uh, replied that there is no capacity to look at this. <clears throat> and now the Bavarian scientists, together with an international team, prepares a publication in an expert journal, but this needs time. And if his suspicion holds true every day with the vaccinations going on in Europe, thousands of people will die in the consequences of the vaccinations. And this is why he is public publishing his data now for review. The situation is alarming, and an open debate on possible negative consequences of the vaccinations is as immediately necessary as possible. Without testing and checking the excess mortality and carrying on with the vaccinations or even a mandatory vaccination would not be negligent, it would be criminal. <clears throat> 